Oh, hold on. I didn't even. I wasn't paying attention. Okay, here we go. No, hold on. My finger <laughs> wasn't under the thing. I want to go back in time. Don't worry. <laughs> this is a wonderful start. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to the Movie Bonus Podcast. A very professional operation. Been good, running good for over 120 times. something episodes. Still have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> no, wait, I want to go back. Uh, what beer are you drinking for today's episode, <laughs> my friend? All right. Well, I think it's pretty fitting. It's pretty fitting today. Okay. Uh, I can't remember if I've had this beer on the show before or not. Like you said, we've done a lot of episodes. We've drank a lot of beer. So if it's a repeat beer, yeah. uh, no one's going to remember probably anyways. And if you do, you're over it. But I'm drinking... Love Street, uh, blonde. Uh, Love, Love Street. Street. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, okay. I bet it's more on point yeah. than yours. It <laughs> is. Yeah. So for me, I was like, surely by now they will have some Valentine's themed, romance themed uh, beer in the store, and they definitely did not. So I had to stretch the theme a little bit, but I think I did okay. I went with from the couple. Copper Kettle Brewing Company in Denver, Colorado. Um, it's called Contains Happiness. And these are generally pretty joyful little things. But also, there's a little copper kettle uh, on a tandem bicycle. And they're like on a little date. It looks very cute as far as two little, I like two it. little copper kettles. I like it. uh, yeah. yeah, it's an IPA. It's from uh, the Copper Kettle Brewing Company in Denver, Colorado. They're very good. Uh, I mean, yeah. pretty good. Yeah. It's um, six out of ten. It's all right. Oh, all right, all right. Hey, Jake. Yeah. You know what is an absolute ten out of ten? That's just awesome. What? I can't wait to hear. Oh, oh, oh my god! Fuck Look, you. Isn't it, isn't it fucking beautiful? It. It's so just baited me into it. I definitely did not see that coming. Oh man! What the? I made sure. I was keeping you in mind. I want to make sure it was like right in the shot. Yes. You can't miss yes. it. It's always there to to say hi. Yes. So for the listening remind you, listening audience that does not have video and it's not on YouTube, <laughs> you should know that Dustin has put up the championship belt that I have shipped him. Yeah. He did, in fact, receive yes. it. He did, in fact, post a bunch of bullshit on Instagram about receiving it. <laughs> and then also put it on his wall it is in the shot i am aware of it yeah he also got me right before we started recording did this exact same thing i fell for it <laughs> yeah, twice I fell for it twice <laughs> yes. i'm a total schmuck but yes congratulations good for but you there's there's one thing that i've been waiting for recording because it, it's been a couple weeks since we recorded yeah. uh there was one thing that i've been dying to to tell you that was one of my favorite things about winning this belt and posting all those glorious photos of it and just rubbing it in your yes. face. Cause you know, you suck. You. Uh, your mom <laughs> was messaging us. Yes, she did. <laughs> and she even told me, you know, <laughs> keep on gloating. You deserve no. it. <laughs> and I was like, Yes. Yeah, she was like, Jake was kind of bragging about it a lot. I was like, Mom, come on. You're supposed to be on my team. So so I've got 
I've got Mama Lawler's. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. Approval. Blessing to gloat. I guess. So, so there it is, Jake. It's so pretty. Enjoy it while it lasts for the next year or so. I am. Speaking of that, have you picked a team name yet? What the fuck? Fuck! (laughs) No. (laughs) All right. Well, this will be a very short uh, movie draft. I I got so caught up in all the other shit that we're trying to prep for. Totally (laughs) forgot the name. Yeah. So that was the name that you picked. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) You didn't pay attention. I picked a very good name. Uh, we're still a weekish away from Argyle releasing uh, at the time we're recording this. By the time it, this comes out, it will have just released. So we'll have known how good it is yeah. or not, more or less. But yeah, that, that's where we're at. That's the whole draft. Right. Not, not, nothing's happened, but you do need to pick a team name. I at do some need point. to pick a name. Really need to pick a name. All right. <laughs> I understand it's intimidating to try to pick a name as good as mine. It works on multiple levels. Jesus. <laughs> Die Hard 3, third round of the draft, third season, whatever. Yeah, but... But, but pick something. It doesn't really work out too well for Simon and his little fucking game, so... Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I didn't think that far ahead. <laughs> whatever anyway it's okay so jake <laughs> yeah what what new movies or new things or hold on what new shows have you watched because you don't okay watch well <laughs> fuck you i did watch a new show <laughs> 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 but i also watched a new movie or two also um right. so i watched true detective night country the fourth season oh, of true detective one? yeah Okay. With Jodie Foster. It's very much like 30 Days of Night in the sense that it takes place during the dark month of Alaska, in Alaska, but it's true detective. So it's like a crime drama thriller thing. And uh, it's good. I watched the first two episodes so far. It's definitely good. It's very intriguing. There's a certain, like, quite a bit amount of, like, mysticism or, or, I don't know what you would call it. Mystical aspects, supernatural motivations. Like there's things that you're like, I like it can't be supernatural, but there's also no real way to explain what's happening. So the only okay. thing that you can actually jump to is maybe it's supernatural. Um, okay. I like it so far. I think that it's definitely interesting. The first episode, there was several hints at like, maybe it could tie into the first season of True Detective. And I don't think you've seen True Detective, right? I've I watched you... the first season. I Have you? Okay. Yeah. I told you several times that you should. Yep. The and first season, the first season is the best season of television that I've ever seen. The first season is incredible. <laughs> and there's there were hints in the first episode that people thought maybe it could tie into the first season. And the second episode basically confirms it absolutely does tie into the first season and that's cool that's very interesting because season two and season three are very much standalone so it's kind of a very interesting thing i'm intrigued to see where it goes Mm -hmm. i can't say if it's good or not yet but it's it's intriguing for sure so i would off to a decent start you're saying yeah i would say if you're if you like the first season of true detective you'll probably like the fourth season of true detective all right all right um 
I guess on the topic of crime dramas, I also watched the Netflix documentary of American Nightmare. The crime documentary from 2024 just came out. It's a very well edited, very well paced crime drama, crime documentary about this chick that gets allegedly kidnapped and then you feel like you blame her boyfriend for a good period of time and then the that seems to have like there's a possibility that it's like a gone girl situation where maybe oh, the shit. girl that got kidnapped set it up it's so intriguing and so well paced it's very like it doesn't waste any time at all it completely just boom 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 goes all the way through for three episodes Really, really good. I definitely recommend okay. American Nightmare. It was really interesting and very quick and very easy to binge if you like okay. crime crime documentaries. It's one of the best I've seen. Huh. And then I did watch a movie. Fuck you for well, one thing. <laughs> I watched a movie that I heard was one of the best movies of 2023. Trying to knock these out before we get to the Movie Boners Awards. Yeah. Uh, I watched Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Oh, I which, forgot about that movie. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of did it as well, but I knew that it was crazy high rated, crazy high Rotten Tomatoes, crazy high all these things. Probably one of the most, honestly, probably one of the most made for chicks movies I've seen in a long time. I was going to say, time. you watched a movie about periods. <laughs> yes. So first of all, <laughs> never see, read the book, don't know really anything about the whole story. <laughs> it is, in fact, mostly about periods. It claims yeah. to be about religion, but doesn't do much about religion other than this girl more or less tries to choose a religion. Uh, it is for chicks by chicks, which is not bad, but not necessarily for me. I would say, and this is coming from me with, who's a person that within the last six months watched You Are So Not Invited to My Bat Mitzvah, which is definitely also a very like... <laughs> coming of age preteen girl movie and yeah. honestly that was more enjoyable overall i would say the oh, okay. uh the um adam sandler's daughter movie it was pretty enjoyable this movie are you there god is me margaret the main girl's cute she's fun she's nice fair enough uh leading actress rachel mcadams of course fantastic she plays her mom um but overall at least for me it was not very satisfying, oh, um, <laughs> at least overall, as far as a conclusion and story and premise. Okay. I, I, if you're a fan of the book or if you are a woman or a young girl, I'm sure you would relate to it a lot. But it's just not for me overall. So I'm <laughs> not sure why so many people liked it. They're probably mainly like moms with young daughters and it helped. Uh, yeah segue into that subject matter because uh, being a male you are was, not part of that demographic <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> it's a good way to start the talk i guess if you have to do that yeah um, yeah also yeah. the sex talk but yeah not for me i guess what about you i went on a like binge i watched a lot in the last okay. week uh, good some good and a couple that are so wretchedly terrible, I can't believe people <laughs> have found anything redeeming about them, period. Okay. Um, I'll get those out of the way first, because holy shit. No, no, I'll do the good first. I'll do the good first. Uh, okay. Good first. 
All right. I'll try and do this in rapid fire because there's like seven or eight of these movies. So Yeah, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> I watched Meg 2, The Trench, because I needed something just kind of fun and stupid. And that's exactly what I got. Meg 2 yeah. was super enjoyable. Like, completely embraces absurdity, does what it should, continues the fun dumbness from the first one. It was a mm-hmm. blast. You don't okay. watch it for anything serious. You watch it for, I need to kill like an hour and a half, and I want to laugh. It's a good one for that. Then okay. I watched Dumb Money, which oh, yeah. I know you had previously watched, and that was fantastic. You were you hit the nail right on the head. It reminded me of The Big Short so much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just like the only, Gen Z version. Yeah, the only thing that I kind of found wishing that they would have done a little bit, but at the same time, kind of glad they didn't because it may have felt a little bit too like big short style. Mm-hmm. But explaining the definitions of some of the stuff that they like discussed throughout the course of the movie regarding yeah. Wall Street, regarding how all this stuff is actually done. Um, that's one aspect of the big short that I've always thought was great was they take very technical jargon that everyone yeah. skips over and explain it in a very simplistic way for everybody to kind of get only thing about dumb money that I wish they would have done, but great movie. Very much yeah. enjoyed it. I totally agree. <laughs> I feel like as someone that paid attention and was kind of there, I feel mm-hmm. like it was kind of a telling the story from, a you would get it if you were there kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And not so kind much. Kind of assuming a, everyone already knows what all these little schemes and all that. Yeah. Are and mean. There were so, so many memes and the Reddit <laughs> oh, yeah. stuff and the, <laughs> that they didn't even get into and didn't really explain super yeah. well. So they could have been into better, I think. Um, and then I watched Coherence. Another recommendation uh, yeah. from you. <laughs> I fucking love that. I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Dude, I don't think you hyped it up enough. Yeah. I was like, it when I'm not gonna go into details, but yeah, I'm not gonna lie, I feel it's it might be on a short list for a deep dive. I think it it kind of warrants yeah. like a deep I was stoked about this movie. And it does not take long for it to start diving into everything. Yeah. By the time the end credits rolled, I was like, yes, so good. <laughs> like, I cannot express how happy I am to hear you say that. That is the most incredible thing. Coherence that, is amazing. I can't believe more people aren't watching. Like, the way I felt about Coherence is very similar to how I felt about like The Empty Man or yeah. uh, Under the Silver Lake, where I was just yeah. like, yep, this is, I'm going to tell everyone about this fucking movie now. This is a new mission of mine. Yeah, Go watch Coherence. It's but on Prime. No one's heard about it. No one's heard about it. Please change that. It's fucking amazing. Yeah, such a small budget. <laughs> such an original story. So incredible. So incredible. Um, and then I also watched another movie that you have been telling me for years to years. watch okay um especially because we are coming up on this episode and i felt well this is a good time <laughs> to watch it if any so i finally sat down and watched definitely maybe okay <laughs> let's go and uh that was also pretty delightful i did laugh a lot watching a movie about like 
Democrats being excited about Bill Clinton in the nineties <laughs> and saying that he like knows women and yeah. And all that. And you're like, Ooh, hindsight is a little rough on this one, but that's part of the joke. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very cute movie. Very enjoyable. Uh, there were some triggering moments because my daughter and I have had some very similar conversations that Reynolds and his daughter have in this movie. And mm -hmm. that was a little like, Ooh, this is, close to home but okay yeah. <laughs> uh, very cute movie though i enjoyed it good and then i watched anatomy of a fall okay and being a fan of like courtroom dramas and thrillers and all that yeah dude, i fucking love this movie i was stoked about this movie uh courtroom scenes i felt kind of drag a little bit on yeah. a couple scenes, but the more I thought about it, the more I might think it's not so much the courtroom scenes, but more the prosecutor just never shutting the fuck up and constantly yeah. assuming and trying to put words in the defendant or into the witness's mouths. He's kind uh, of a dick. He's kind of a dick. And that was kind of annoying, but yeah. the movie overall fantastic. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say too much, but I was very excited about the ending because it was just good. Uh, yeah. Very well done. Okay. Uh, then I watched The Sound of Freedom. Oh, yeah. And that was fucking intense. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's is, on my list to watch before we get to the awards, for sure. That is an intense movie to watch, especially if you're a parent. And uh, I'd actually say kind of if you have morals. Uh, it's a very <laughs> intense movie to watch. Yeah. Um, I can't believe anyone would consider it controversial. I think it's pretty relevant. Mm -hmm. Pretty uh there's no controversy to it. It's literally telling you what the fuck's going on around us. So Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's kind of what I've heard is that <laughs> it's insane how much backlash it got that so many people are like oh, it's an ultra-conservative, ultra-right-wing, ultra-Fox News kind of movie, and it's like just a basic movie about how serious this issue of child trafficking is like, and how we should do everything we can to stop it, and everyone should agree that that's a bad thing. Right, right. Uh, the only agenda it has is just to be very blunt and very... I mean, it makes it uncomfortable for you to understand. Mm-hmm this is something that's very real. That's the only agenda the movie yeah. has. Uh, this is real. It's very bad. You should yeah. not agree with it. And then you move on. <laughs> like, yeah. It seems like it just got a ton of flack because Jim Caviezel is in it and he's he played Jesus that one time. Right. And, and he's and in that same it, kind of group with Mel Gibson and people are it, like, it has oh, like a couple it has a couple religious moments in it, but not actually religious moments. Like they talk about faith or Caviezel mentions God like twice mm -hmm. in a two hour film. <laughs> um, it, it is not a religious film. I didn't take it that way at all. It's just yeah. very intense, very powerful. And, and I think the way they handle the subject matter was actually very well done. Okay. It's very much like how you and I always talk when movies take very disturbing subject matter, you can hint 
or allude to something without ever actually showing anything. And it, you, your audience will understand it. Sound of freedom does that. Okay. Uh, Good. Very good movie. Enjoyed it very much. Good. Now on to the bullshit of 2023. (laughs) I've been waiting so hard for this. Okay, go ahead. All right. I don't know which one I hated more, honestly. I know only about one, and I can't wait. I know you only know about one. one. And, okay, I'm going to go with this one. All right. So there's been a lot of hype to this movie that you and I, I think you have followed kind of the negative hype or just conversations surrounding this movie a lot more than I have. Okay. Um, I ended up coming to a kind of a place where it was like, I feel I need to see this for myself to form an, my own opinion. Yeah. Because I need to see if something is getting kind of overblown or if people are jumping to a conclusion, um, kind of like, other movies that have come out where people are like, Oh, it's super hypersexualized and there's no story. And then you find out like, Oh, there's a whole very deep, meaningful story here. People are missing all of it. Yeah. Um, but I saw poor things. Oh, Um, did you? Okay. And that movie is wretchedly terrible. (laughs) On like (laughs) damn near (laughs) everything you can like have in making mm-hmm. a film or writing a story poor things is like let's do this terribly let's do this terribly <laughs> you know what we didn't make this weird enough and dumb enough so let's keep up in the ante um the acting is okay mm-hmm. it's it's okay <laughs> but it is gross <laughs> like yeah I'm not surprised. Uh, it's worth noting you are not a Yorgos Anthemos fan. No, I'm not. You, I don't know how many movies you've seen, but I know you hate The Lobster. That's the only one of his that I've seen, and I okay. fucking hate The Lobster. Yeah. Uh, I know what your second movie is, and I was going to tell you, you took one for the team with that one. Because... I took two for the team, sir. I took two <laughs> and for I, the team. I was going to watch Four Things to Take One for You, because I kind of... <laughs> didn't anticipate it being good but also would need to feel like i need to watch it based on right. all the award hype obligated just to form my own opinion find out like what is this movie as horrible as the haters are saying and they are all absolutely right <laughs> it is so disgusting yeah and, like the moment you realize just how fucking awful this story is uh-huh. You're like, I'm sitting in the theater and there was, it was a pretty, well, it wasn't super full, but there was a decent amount of people in there. Yeah. They were all older people, like okay. seniors, except for the people sitting right next to me, which was mm-hmm. a son and his mom that oh, came and shit. saw this. That's terrible. <laughs> terrible. And I was like telling myself when in, when all the sexual stuff starts coming up and it's kind of graphic it's essentially like uh what, like watching a skinamax movie back when we were teenagers <laughs> like that's kind of what it was yeah for over 2 hours damn yeah which i was like well this is terrible enough that this guy and his mom are watching this together yeah, i'm sure awkward. this is going to make the drive home just awful 
But then they get into... What is that mom thinking? Like, taking so, her son to a movie. So there is something funny that happened at the end of the movie. Um, so we are... I'm watching this movie, and when it gets to explaining why the main character is the way she is. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I kind of had been figuring that it was like just a retelling of Frankenstein, just like a weird kind of way. Yeah. And it tries to hide behind that idea. Like that's how it tricks you. And I don't give a fuck if I'm spoiling this one or the next (laughs) movie I'm going to bitch about because fuck these movies. Um, But they flat out tell you, they don't even try to be like metaphorical. They flat out tell you, they take a unborn infant's brain. Uh-huh. And put it into this woman's body. So her body is that of like a 30 year old woman with the brain of a child. Mm-hmm. And then you watch her kind of develop. <laughs> and yeah, it's gross. There's develop weird... meaning be forced into sexual situations. Uh, that, and... that comes later when she's like supposed to be aged enough for it. <laughs> okay. Kind of like try to do this rapid look. She's aging and getting things. So they, they show you her progression and age through mm-hmm. very strange things. So it starts off with her language skills, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But then, then she masturbates with an apple. And that's how you're <laughs> supposed to tell... <laughs> That's quite a leap from she learns language skills. Um, dude, and then I she wish, masturbates with an apple. <laughs> I fucking wish I I was like exaggerating. It literally okay. makes that leap. I believe you. And that's supposed to be her like, oh, so she's supposed to be somewhere in like the teenager age she's discovering. Gross. Uh-huh. Like this yeah. is horrible. And then she meets Mark Ruffalo and his character is the biggest piece of shit in the whole film. He's the sexual deviant that like convinces her to run away with him. And while they're Mm -hmm. running away together is when she develops into full womanhood and they just have sex for the whole movie. (laughs) Um, And it's not like, like Hollywood movie sex. It is like, (laughs) yeah, it's like, you have only ever seen the lobster, which is the most tame version of what he's done. But if you've yeah. seen like dog tooth or other things, it's like, yeah, he gets pretty graphic in his. Yeah, uh, he gets kind of graphic. I'm kind of shocked that they didn't show like actual penetration. P and V G. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was just, it was a gross movie. I was like sitting in the theater the whole time. Like, Okay. Mm-hmm. How much longer is in this thing? It's I'm not a movie much... I would watch in public. I'll tell you that right. I, now. Like I was, I was getting ready to tap out. No joke. Like I probably should have, but mm-hmm. I'm a sucker when it comes to going to the theater. Like, all right, Can I know I've made it past the halfway mark. Let's let's see how this concludes, and then I can move on with the rest of my life. Because mm-hmm. as horrible as it is, it's still not as horrible as the the worst movies you and I have ever seen in our <laughs> lives. So we've seen much worse. Yeah. And uh, so the movie finally ends and like everyone in the theater, we are all sharing the same, like <laughs> what the fuck? Like, that's all you can think. It's just like, what the, what the fuck is this? What, okay. What is 
we're all leaving. And I happened to be leaving the theater at the same time as the mom who had watched mm-hmm. it with her son. Cause he got up and left early, like right when the movie was starting to end, he got up and, and just bailed. Good for him. <laughs> I suppose. I mean, <laughs> I he's like, I'm he's, done. Yeah. Like mom, I'll see you in the car. We're not fucking talking. I'm sure that's <laughs> what was said. Yeah. So her and I happen to walk out of the theater at the same time. And we look at each other because clearly it's going to be a little odd. She's yeah. an older woman. She's like the age of my mom. I'm me. We just watched a movie where Emma Stone has very graphic sex for two and a half hours. Yeah. And she she smiles at me. And she goes, well, that was weird. <laughs> I was like, weird as in terrible and probably should never have been made. And she goes, yep. <laughs> and that was our conversation <laughs> we parted ways i said enjoy you know i hope you can enjoy the rest of your day and she goes you too good luck and that was the interaction what a wonderful experience between two strangers awesome experience between strangers horrible fucking movie i don't get the hype behind it i kind of yeah. feel this is another one of those movies where it's like if you find positives in it you are either so far down the art house rabbit hole that mm-hmm. you're convincing yourself that shit like this is quality. Right. It's not. It's like the worst cinematography. It's like the worst, just everything. If you want to look at it from a filmmaking and then the story itself is just horrendous. Um, or you need to really get some, like go see a psychiatrist. It's that kind of movie to me for like, there's some dark shit in your head. Go take mm-hmm. care of it. Fuck poor things. Horrible fucking movie. I can't believe people love it. Like that's amazing to hear because I've I haven't seen it, but I have seen so many people talk about it, and I thought about seeing it. Like I said, mm-hmm. I thought about seeing it before the awards, and all of, everybody does hype it. They feel like he's Emma Stone is, does such a good job, and they need to you know, feel like she should be hyped and awarded and all this stuff. But I definitely feel uh, from what I've seen, I get the same impression. I'm like, yeah, oh, it's horrible. All you need to hear is that like, it's a infant brain put in a woman's body. And then she goes on to have a bunch of sex. I'm like, this sounds very, it's gross, sketchy and groomery. Yeah. And I like Emma stone. I'm a fan of hers. I mean, Totally. She's our generation. We've been watching her in movies for a long fucking time. Yeah. And that her acting is well done when it's not sex, when it's just the actual <laughs> like acting, it's well done. She's funny. Yeah. She's quirky. She's entertaining. But <laughs> my full, like conclusive opinion on poor things, it absolutely undoes everything good for women that Barbie did in Mm. the summer. I feel Barbie truly is like, yep, that is the woman empowerment. Cause it's not just woman empowerment. It's like people empowerment. Yeah. And Margot Robbie, like she nails it out of the park. Sorry, Emma stone as a fan, (laughs) you kind of shit all over what that movie did for women. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not like the biggest Barbie fan, but I will say it's at least very positive and woman, like complete womanhood focused, like from motherhood to 
career to life to just relationships being a woman it's all very positive and very nice not just oh you need to go off sex and that will give no, you like literally poor things dumbs women down to the point of like you have to be a slut like you have to sleep around that's the only way you're going to experience life yeah and i just feel there's more for women than that so thank you barbie for <laughs> uplifting women and fuck you poor things for completely trying to demoralize women. So, on okay. to the next big horrendous pile of shit movie that I know Jake yeah. has already caught some uh, some oh, little man. tidbits of conversations I've had it, with a guy. It's impossible to avoid because you literally posted in our Instagram stories, fuck Saltburn. Saltburn is the worst movie of the goddamn year. I thought for so long Bo is Afraid was the worst movie of the year, and it's still up there. Of course, mm -hmm. then I saw Poor Things and I watched Saltburn. Yeah. I don't even know why. You know why I watched Saltburn? Because I no. was like, let's try and knock out some of these 2023 films. <laughs> and it was literally, I put Prime on and it was literally the first one that popped up. And I was just uh, like, fuck it. Okay. Play. That was my number one question of why on earth did you watch Saltburn? <laughs> literally, I was like, Jake and I have to try and watch movies from 2023 that we missed. Yeah. So I'm just going to start going through all the streams and find as much as I can. And mm -hmm. literally the first one that popped up and I was just like begrudgingly, you know, <laughs> all right. All right. Let's do Did this. you know anything going into it? No, completely okay. blind. No clue what the movie was about. No clue. Anything. All I knew was it has a lot of hype. Okay. Like people seem I... to really enjoy this movie. I've heard, like, I don't know much about the story, but every time I hear a thing about it, like somebody talking about it or like a meme about it or something mm -hmm. happens, it makes me want to watch it less. I'm like, no, that it's... sounds terrible. <laughs> Let me, I'll say this. If I wanted to watch a movie that's about, that's supposed to be a dark satire mm -hmm. on excessive lifestyles, the rich obsession and all that i'm gonna stick with shit like american psycho it's better written it's yeah. better executed like it's just better all around and it's yeah. funny saltburn is just gross my biggest <laughs> issue with saltburn is that it is chock full of moments where the filmmaker was obviously like i'm gonna be edgy and controversial haha <laughs> and then lost sight of making an actual story mm-hmm it's a gross movie. I don't find the hype in watching a guy lick a dirty bathtub and then <laughs> slurp and like basically drink dirty, jizzy bath water that a guy jerked <laughs> off in. That's a scene. Uh -huh. <laughs> like that happens. Gross. Yeah. Like that's that not, gross. it doesn't develop a character. It does nothing for the story. It's literally like he watches a dude jerk off in a bathtub and then he goes in. And slurps the water. Yes. And that was one of the scenes that I was like, what the Why? fuck? What? Why am I watching this? And, and then it's just like, and it's just a bad story too. Like I really hated the story of this kid who latches on to the popular kid at this college and kind of, Acts like he's going to be a stalker or some shit, but somehow the rich kid like befriends him right away because he has ulterior motives. It's fucking stupid. Mm. But then there's like 
the scene that I really was just, well, no, the Jizzy bathwater was the scene that really <laughs> got to me. The scene that made me think like, who the fuck made this movie? Mm-hmm. Was then later on, there's another part where two characters are hooking up in outside at night and this dude stuffs his hand into her vagina while she's on her period and then proceeds to smear the blood all over her and him. And oh. he tells her, I'm a vampire. And you're <laughs> like, this is like the dumbest fucking thing I think I've seen. And then he goes down on her and then it's like a close up of him in a bathtub slinking into the water and you see the blood smeared on his face. And you're like, again with the bathtub. What? And that was the moment I was like, who fucking made this movie? Because I'm tired (laughs) of this. Like you get caught up in trying to be controversial and you completely lose sight of, making just a decent story and then yeah. i found out oh it's from the same filmmaker that made that uh i forgot the name of the movie now uh promising young woman thank you and i was yeah. like oh yeah that was another movie where they get so caught up and just trying to be edgy or like "Ooh, look what we're showing and it ruins mm. the story but that was at least way less gross yeah so saltburn was just bad all around by the time it ended, I, uh, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I definitely have high concerns because I definitely just Googled uh, that filmmaker, Emerald Fennell, who made Promising Young Woman and Saltburn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she definitely also wrote Ballerina, the, the fucking oh, no. John Wick spinoff with Anna de Armas. She's the writer or one of the writers, wow. at least of it screenplay wise there's two other screenplay writers so maybe they balance it out <laughs> so maybe she wasn't like given uh full control hopefully yeah because not Sulper just like at no point was i really into the story because it was one of those movies where from the get-go i was like mm, my gut <laughs> is telling me this is not gonna be a movie for me like right out the gate yeah and then i i wasn't absolutely hating it until it got to like just the weird shit so saltburn is the name of the mansion that the rich family lives in and it's just the moment they get there is when the movie takes its really just like gross turn yeah and that's where it really lost me i just like (laughs) i i (laughs) I struggled for a while of like, which movie did I hate more? Bo is afraid or Saltburn? Because that giant penis monster is just one of the dumbest <laughs> ideas I've ever seen put on, on screen. Uh-huh. But the more I thought about Saltburn and just all the stupid shit that happens in that movie and with the main character, the more I realized like, no, I really, really hated Saltburn. Like, and it okay. can't boil down to, completely losing sight on just making an interesting story. They sacrifice that to show him like rape a grave. And (laughs) I wish I was making this up, but he literally depants and starts humping a grave at one point in the film. How was that? It's empowering. All I can say is like, we all want original stories out of Hollywood. (laughs) <laughs> but maybe maybe 
We want original good stories. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe when we read scripts that have shit like I'm a vampire or, you know, (laughs) slurping jizzy, dirty bathwater. Maybe these production companies should read these scripts and be like, um, yeah, let's let's take this out. Like, (laughs) yeah, I would agree, except I then saw the production company. I don't remember who made it, but they're starting to promote like a merch of this actor or characters Mm -hmm. jizzy bathwater like you could buy a candle with that scent of that whatever that means i don't even know but it's like i it's one thing for hollywood to like support it but it's also another thing to feel like this is what people want and the the audience or the consumer will actually support it and maybe they will maybe they're actually that terrible and we're just the wrong ones but I feel like it's pretty clear that sounds terrible, and that's not something that anyone should support. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's I'm necessarily so as bad as as baby brains and a woman getting raped, but also maybe, maybe it is. It's, I, I just can't believe it. I felt very sad. And angry after watching movies like Saltburn and Poor Things of like people are like supporting this shit. They're so excited for this shit. And I, I get like, I mean, I did just say I'd rather watch American Psycho and I'm sure people are going to say, hey, it's the same fucking principle. I mm-hmm. get your argument. But American Psycho flat out is a comedy and they, they mm-hmm. poke fun at it. And if you actually pay attention to it, you do catch on to the the satire of it and you understand the satire of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I I'd rather watch a guy potentially fantasize about like going on murderous rages than watch, <laughs> you know, a woman get tricked into thinking that the only way she's going to succeed in life or experience a life is by getting fucked by yeah. tons of different gross people that's who take advantage worth. of her yeah like absolutely um yeah so very very disheartening on those two movies um fuck both of them i can't believe there's any hype behind either of them <laughs> but luckily luckily i was also watching a whole shitload of movies which this is one of those uh things where i realized like wow i have a lot of like romantic dramas and romantic comedies <laughs> I have a lot more than I thought I did. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was joyful to to revisit a lot of these. So without further ado, <laughs> I say well, a little, a little ado. I want to do a little housekeeping, which is. Oh, that... shit, shit. That's right. We do have housekeeping. I'm sorry, guys. Fuck those before, movies, man. Five, five <laughs> seconds before we get into the episode. <laughs> yes, Dustin's right. You should check us out on Instagram if you want to see first come first serve opinions on things that we're watching uh you will find it on instagram primarily Uh, if you want to see stuff we're watching stuff we have thoughts on check us out on instagram we've definitely also already taken submissions on the movie boners awards which are coming up soon taking your nominations are considering them very heavily we'll be watching them you've watched a couple already uh 
but we're also narrowing them down and we'll also then again be asking for you to vote on the final nominations very soon. So once we've narrowed down exactly what nominees will be in each category, we want to know what you think of them and who should win. Uh, so check us out on Instagram. Beware, be sure to vote and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I also, or we also, tend to check in from time to time on what you're liking, what you want to see more of, things like that. Uh, I did that again recently on a couple of things and got some very interesting feedback. So if you want to have your voice heard and to see, uh, kind of share what you like and what you want to see more of, definitely Instagram's the place to do that. Definitely check us out on YouTube as well. Subscribe there. That's always good. But Instagram's mostly where we talk to you at. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of true. <laughs> So now, 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 now we can do it. Now we can get to the good stuff. <laughs> we can get to the good stuff and edifying de- movies. Woohoo! <laughs> They're definitely edifying. We're going to be redoing our episode about our top 10 favorite romance movies. And I got to say, we, so if you haven't checked out any of our other episodes where we've done our top 10s of certain genres a long, long time ago. We've been doing this show for a long time, and we did uh, like a third or fourth episode ever. We did our top 10 romance movies, yeah. and it was one of the funniest and most enjoyable episodes we've ever done. Uh, it's still available on uh, moviebunners.com if you are interested in checking that out. But I got to say, going in and deciding to redo it, it was a little bit bittersweet because we would lose a couple of very key moments and uh one of those yeah. moments i will yeah. have to say are yeah. have to do with your bloopers yeah yeah <laughs> i didn't the know early if, you, days. if you remembered specifically some uh goof oh, i remember very specifically <laughs> i remember the blooper but i don't remember the context or why the blooper happened, and I feel like that's horrible. <laughs> so I wanted to play it for the audience, just for posterity, because yeah. I didn't want to lose it. I did pull off, so you can only find our original six or seven episodes on moviedoorboners.com. I've pulled them off of all of our other um, podcast streams. So if you're on Spotify or whatever else, you won't be able to find them. But I did want to keep it for posterity. So I'm going to set it up and revisit Memory Lane because it's just too good. So (laughs) I understand the context. Like to me, as your friend, it makes sense. It makes perfect sense. But out of context, it's the funniest fucking thing I've ever heard. (laughs) We did watch a bunch of romance movies we kind of got in touch with our feminine side that's kind of what you're going for and sitting in and watching a bunch of romance romantic comedies classic maybe chick flicks you could qualify them as that Um, but you you had some interesting things to say about it so i wanted to check on that really quick yeah knew this was coming <laughs> so I can't oh. even 
Every time I hear it, it's so fucking funny. Yeah. So the, the you were basically talking about how you felt like you should have ice cream and Kleenex and do the yeah, classic cliche right. chick thing on and watch these movies. But yeah, it got so mixed up. You were talking about. I need to watch macho action movies and horror movies. And then all of a sudden, yeah, needed gory porn will never leave, never leave the side of your, your, it's so relevant. Yeah. Cause all of it flooded back the moment you played that clip. Oh my God. I'm fucking crying. Cause I laughed so hard. Um, I had meant to say like, like gore porn, like the Saw series, and you know shit like that. Sure, but but yeah, gore porn. My my stupid mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So yeah, we're I gonna get we... into we're gonna get into some romantic movies. This is the the funniest thing about that original recording. <laughs> One is listening to Christy dying in the background. Yeah. Could not breathe. Sure Could not breathe. But I distinctly remember throughout that episode, we had to keep apologizing to our moms because that was the only episode they were excited to like <laughs> listen to. And we had aimed for it to be a nice, wholesome, like this would be a good one for the moms. And then I had my blooper and we, I just remember us being the absolute yeah. opposite yeah. We had some episode. questionable picks. It was definitely very <laughs> awkward. <laughs> so we're trying to redo it, trying to get yeah. level set. These are just our favorite romantic movies yeah. coming yeah. off on Valentine's Day. Getting ready for some recommendations. If you want to <laughs> Netflix and chill, this is our top 10 romance movies. It's true. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> It's the fucking best. I'm glad we could do it. <laughs> oh my god. All right. I went first last time. You you uh you go first okay. this time. Okay. Yeah. I'll go first this time. Uh so my number ten favorite romance movie of all time is a. it's not a cheat. It's just a little different from the rest in the sense that it's not relationally romantic. But it's romantic in the sense that, you know how someone can be like, they can have a romantic feature? This is a weird way to explain it. It's like, if you so think of like hot. a... What? No, no. If you think of like a romantic time, like a ro like the a romantic language. You've heard of a romantic language? Like romance so you related. really decided i'm gonna go out the gate with a uh a typical jake pick which is one that's <laughs> probably very questionable but Breaks we're gonna let it slide because it's our show and yeah. we're allowed to do that okay it's 50 percent my rules and so i get to say what the fuck we do yep, uh, yep, it's yeah it's kind of like that so it's not a romance between people and individuals and about their romantic relationship it's more about like a romantic time period and Ooh. a romant romantic feeling about a certain time period and how you love that feeling or that style or that vibe I think I know or whatever what movie you call is your number 10. My number 10 is the only Woody Allen movie that I have ever liked. I was right. 
<laughs> it's called Midnight in Paris from 2011. And it's, I don't like any Woody Allen movies, but I really like that, that, Midnight that in Paris. That really good. Yeah. It is. It is yeah. really good. And I think that, so Woody, uh, Owen Wilson plays a character named Gil, and he is like a writer, and he is obsessed with this like yesteryear golden age of the 1920s, 30s time period. Mm -hmm. And during a uh, trip with his fiance, played by Rachel McAdams, they take a trip to Paris, France, and it's very romantic, very nice, but it kind of has this mysterious thing happen. And in typical me fashion, there's some weird time travel sci-fi twist that has to happen. <laughs> He just finds this car in the middle of the night at midnight in Paris, and the car takes him back in time to the 1920s. And he meets Gertrude Stein and F. Scott Fitzgerald and Salvador Dali and Ernest Hemingway and all of these mm -hmm. classic writers. And uh, he feels like this is it. This is the time. This is all the people. They know each other. They're incredible. They write incredible stories. And he just becomes obsessed with that time period. But it's it's a beautiful story, and I, the reason I say it's not really romantic is because he has a fiance, and it's Rachel McAdams, and she's generally great, but also she's she's not like a great fiance in this movie. No, she's kind of terrible. Her and her parents yeah. are kind of terrible. She's kind of terrible. She doesn't respect him or really treat him well or be interested in him, so he definitely gravitates away from her, and focuses more on this yesteryear group of people and time period and all that stuff. And, uh, and then also kind of is intrigued by this woman played by Marianne Cotillard, who is French and great. And uh, she's actually one of the muses or mm -hmm. love interests, uh, mistresses of, of uh, not Gandhi. <laughs> I almost said Gandhi of uh, Picasso because of the artist and uh and he just focuses on that but the, the interesting thing he learns not to spoil the movie the interesting <laughs> thing he, he learns is that they all of those people at that, that time period kind of long for the previous generation and their mm -hmm. yesteryear of like the turn of the century that was the golden era and so to focus on what is truly like the most romantic the most meaningful the most important time period fo to focus on it's just a great reminder of kind of what you have now the present is is the best to really focus on that's all you really have you could focus on what came before and the past and all this stuff but it's not as it's not as attainable it's kind of more like what you have now matters more there's a phrase about that, but I can't remember what it is at the moment. But if folk losing, you know, you know what I'm saying. So <laughs> I, I love that story, and I love that style, and I love that moral, and I love all the different characters. And I think mm -hmm. all the people that play all the different historical characters, they do such a great job. Um, and Owen Wilson is great. So Midnight in Paris, I felt like, had to be my number 10. Yeah. I am with you. It's the only Woody Allen movie I enjoy. Um, <laughs> it's not like any of his other movies. Midnight in Paris. It genuinely is a very beautiful film. Like 
you get to see Paris and you kind of see it through his eyes. And that's kind of what helps enhance the romance of the place and yeah, kind of like the time, whether it's the past or present. Um, yeah. Very good movie. I like your pick. I do. Oh, good. I, I debated. <clears throat> I debated with a handful of movies of it's not really a romance relation, you know, with like a love interest or whatever, but there's a romance to it. But then mm-hmm. I decided, you know what? I already have one on my list that I'm probably going to get some grief over that I'll have to defend. Um, And I figured like, I'm just going to try and keep it simple and uh, we'll go from there. So good. Can't wait. Yeah. So my number 10 is not a romance for the age or the plays. My number 10 is a pretty straightforward rom-com. Um, But it's like (laughs) one of the only rom-coms kind of made for dudes. Um, (laughs) But but it's not what you might be thinking. Um, It's more like kind of the voice for men who are nervous around women. it's exactly and, what i'm thinking oh of. it is okay cool i wrote the exact same note for my <laughs> yes i know exactly yeah so it i feel like it's for dudes it's able to kind of give a voice to guys and there's a line in it that every time i watch this movie it just floors me how it's like i think this is probably what every male has come to a moment at some point in his life where he wants to shout this. Yeah. Thank God this movie shouts it for us. Hopefully more people see it so that more, more people understand it. But the movie is hilarious. It's such a... I feel like it still gets quoted, or at least referenced, but mm-hmm. it's not... I feel like the popularity has kind of dwindled, but people still vaguely remember or whatever. But I... When I rewatched Hitch, I... Couldn't stop laughing. And the moment that Will Smith screams, this is why love is so goddamn hard. I Uh was like, holy crap. (laughs) (laughs) Like, perfect. Like, yep. Hitch is amazing. I I feel like I took the movie for granted for a long time. And then rewatching it over the last few years, like, this movie's funnier than it was back then. And I feel like... I want to applaud this version of Will Smith. Like, good job, man. Good job. <laughs> yeah. Love Hitch. Couldn't leave it off my Ooh. list. It just, it's so well done. And it's such a, like, lighthearted, but very real rom-com. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I definitely agree. It's an overlap for me. <laughs> yes. I feel like we had the same experience independently from each other because exactly what you just described happened to me where i feel like everybody was a fan of it in the early 2000s it's yeah. such a fun lighthearted movie and then i rewatched it recently i was like oh my god this is a rom-com for men <laughs> this is in- entirely about the dude's perspective on things and that's yeah. primarily why i put it on my list i'm like <laughs> oh my god so i can't believe you had the exact same experience that's amazing that's incredible uh chalk another tally markup for christy to be like god 
damn it. <laughs> yeah, we're <laughs> perfect for each other. Uh, my, I guess, number nine then is not really for dudes. I don't really know. I might get flack for this. You might make fun of me for this. I don't know. I've debated putting this one on my list, but also I love this movie. Like, I'm not ashamed to say it. I love my number nine movie, and it's just cute. It's just fun. It's just rom-com-y, which is great. And it's from the early 2000s, so it's kind of nostalgic. Mine is called Win a Date with Tad Hamilton. Oh, my God. <laughs> Very classic early 2000s. Uh, directed by Robert Luck, Luca Dick, who did Legally Blonde and The Ugly Truth. and It's, it's just a fun freaking movie. And if you're not familiar with Win a Date with Tad Hamilton... It's it's this great idea of Josh Duhamel is a celebrity, plays a celebrity named Tad Hamilton. And he is famous for a tons of different kinds of roles and all the girls are obsessed with him. He's like the Leonardo DiCaprio of our generation. And Kate Bosworth and uh, Jennifer Goodwin, they are like best friends who are from small town girls from West Virginia. They go to the movies and love him. He's incredible. But they're also close friends with Topher Grace's character, Pete. And he's just like a fun, funny guy who's like friends with this uh, cute girl that he secretly has a crush on and hasn't told her, but he's about to move away and his plans to tell her when she suddenly wins a date with Tad Hamilton, as the name of the movie would imply. And, uh, and not only does she go out to L.A. and date him or go on a date with him, but she also then comes home and her goodness and gentleness and wholesomeness rubbed off on him. And he like follows her back to West Virginia. And so it kind of ruins the plans of him to tell her all of his feelings. And it's just it's a classic, cute rom-com situation. But the whole cast is amazing. Everybody's amazing. Everybody's very funny very fun and sweet and cute and it's hard for me to put my finger on what exactly i love about it so much other than i mean i love that story of that concept of a, of a of a best friend who's always loved someone always wanted to put that step forward and take that leap but is afraid to do it and then uh, and then does and it works out and it's so great so the, it basically not to spoil the ending of this movie that nobody <laughs> cares about from 2005 but it's basically that and it's just such a cute movie so i i love this movie i'm not afraid to say it i'm gonna say it out loud i love when a date of todd hamilton i don't judge your pick i i don't remember it all that well i saw it like once or twice when it first came out um I don't know if I paid much attention to it because I remember <laughs> watching it with my girlfriend. Uh -huh. uh, but I don't remember that movie that well, but I do remember the cover. <laughs> um, I just noticed memory... it has a 5.6 on IMDb, so putting it on a top 10 romance of all time <laughs> might be a little bold of me. Fuck it. I'm going to get a ton of shit for my number nine, so it's okay, Jake. I'm not judging. Okay. I'm not judging you at all. Um, if I remember right, 
you had that on your original top 10 as well. Maybe. I, I think you did. Back. I think you Might did. Right. Um, well, while you look that up to see if I was right, my number <laughs> nine, uh, <clears throat> I, I feel like if we're going to do a top 10 romantic list, there is a certain duo from the 2000s that you just on principle cannot leave off the list. Okay. And then I did. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Because as much as I love the movies that they made together, I feel this one is, I mean, it's not the duo. He, Mm -hmm. she, or sorry, she did not star in this movie with him. Um, But this movie follows the same kind of rom-com rules. It's stupid. It's cute. Um, It's full of a cast where when the time the movie came out, most of them weren't super famous yet. But now you watch it and you go, holy shit, Zoe Deschanel's in this? Holy shit, Bradley (laughs) Cooper is in this? Mm -hmm. Um, It's such a dumb movie, but that's what I love so much about it. And Matthew McConaughey in a romantic film is like, I mean, in the 2000s, that's what we watched him in. He was perfect for it. And he's funny all the time. But Failure to Launch, uh, which came out in like 2009 or some shit like that. Ten, No. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, for some reason, this movie has just always stuck with me. I've just always found it to be fun. It's funny. It makes me laugh at how terrible it is. But at the same time, I mean... It's just a delightful film to sit down and watch. Like, it doesn't try to be anything more than what it is. And that's what makes Uh it work. It fully embraces the cheesiness of a rom-com. And uh, on top of that, you get to watch Zoe Deschanel kind of go to war with a mockingbird. And that's kind of (laughs) funny. So... I like that you're highlighting Zoe Deschanel so much, and I had no idea she was even this. Even I know this she's story. got a minor character. I mean, I it's like, Sarah Jessica Parker and yeah. Matthew McConaughey. So McConaughey like, plays. This is the it, Sarah Jessica Parker movie. I don't know what yeah, the fuck yeah. you're talking about. Well, he didn't do it with Kate Hudson, and I feel like fair enough. Up with so many movies with him and Kate Hudson, they were like the new Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. I can think of one movie, but yeah, go ahead. I mean. They did a few. I think they I have did How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Fool's what else? Gold. Uh, okay. um, and I'm forgetting. Maybe they only did those two. I don't know. Anyways, beside the point. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, so McConaughey plays this like 35-year-old dude who still lives at home with his mom and dad. He's got a great job. He just doesn't leave the nest. And he's best friends with two other dudes who just don't leave the nest. They just stay and live with their folks. And so his mom and dad hire this woman to kind of fake date him to convince him to move out. Eventually they go through the motions of a relationship. And then when he has enough confidence in himself or adulthood has really kicked in, Mm -hmm. he moves on. Um, Of course, being a rom-com, that means when she states she has very strict rules of, I never fall in love, we never have sex, you're like, well, clearly (laughs) there wouldn't be a movie if you followed your rules. Um, But it's just a fun movie. Like, It's just a super cute film, full of just 
absurd moments like a chipmunk attacking Matthew McConaughey, a dolphin attacking Matthew McConaughey, and so forth. He's at odds <laughs> with nature. Um, <laughs> it's him versus nature. It, it kind of has a, an element of that, but it's a fun movie. And it's just one that I always seem to come back to. So okay. I wasn't going to put it on here. But but then I was like, no, no, you need to. It's you okay. enjoy it. You need to embrace it. So I appreciate the honesty and it makes yeah. me feel better about my number nine. pick. See? So see, selfishly, that's partly why I appreciate it. <laughs> that's OK. <laughs> that's great. I love that. Uh, I, I get that. I feel that way about a lot of rom-coms. Honestly, it's a kind of a genre that I enjoy more than I feel like I should announce that I like. I feel like <laughs> right? it's not it's not common to like that. And I've always kind of liked chick flicks and romantic movies and rom-coms. It's just a fun time. They're funny. They're enjoyable. Yeah, they're super like they all follow the exact same formula. Mm-hmm. Um and 99% of them could all be cut down to like a 20 minute short film. If they would just like <laughs> talk to each other, do like normal things, like yeah. ask a question when things get weird instead of assuming <laughs> and then jumping to conclusions and like talking to the toxic best friends or, yeah. you know, lashing out irrationally to like, don't get drunk. <laughs> like, it was amazing watching all these and just being like, wow, every single one of these movies could be solved in no time flat if one of them would just be like, hey, what's going on with this? And the yeah. other one was like, all right, I'll be honest. Like, yeah, I was like, why'd you do that? That kind of was weird. That made me feel a weird way. <laughs> yeah, nobody talks to each other. It, no. I definitely, so it's not on my list, but Speaking of Matthew McConaughey, The Wedding Planner, I love The Wedding Planner as like a comfort movie, but I watched it and I was like, this is weird. Like people do weird things for weird reasons and it's really hard to explain. So I'm not quite sure I can put it on my list, but I, I understand why, why exactly that is. And it's just kind of a fun thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number eight, though, you brought up very early in the episode one of the first things you mentioned you said how much i love this movie and you were right sir my number eight is definitely maybe with ryan reynolds and uh i i totally get where you're coming from and it's perfectly understandable me myself i've never been divorced and also never had a daughter so i don't have this context of these experiences but i think that it's a really fun funny movie about well, Ryan Reynolds is always fun and funny. And then having him talk about his experience with, it's a funny context of trying to talk about how, tell your daughter how you met her mother while also not telling her of all of the women that you've met in your life, which Mm -hmm. one her mother is. And so I think that's really funny experience. And then, having the stacked cast of all of the different women playing all of his love interests or possible love interests. And then having the great Abigail, Abigail Breslin play his daughter and try to guess which one her mother is. It's just a fun context. And every time anything starts to get too serious or too 
emotional or sexual or even like he starts smoking at certain points and she just cuts in and she's like whoa 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 wait a minute what do you mean you smoked cigarettes why would you do that and so it's a fun grounding i think of the overall story very cute film yeah uh ryan reynolds smoking took me (laughs) off guard (laughs) because <laughs> I was like, I don't think I've ever seen this guy smoke in a film yeah. ever. And like, he lights up, he inhales, and I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Smoking's weirdly a prominent feature of the movie, which is weird. <laughs> uh, but Rachel Weiss is great in it, and, mm-hmm. and everybody is great in it. And you don't often see, I'm a huge fan kevin klein fan and have him uh, pop up in the movie that's always a fun time i did not know he was in it so when he showed up i was like kevin klein's in this i feel like that should have been like talked about more it's it's kevin klein but then i realized a lot of our generation and generations after probably won't have any clue who he is sorry kevin klein i <laughs> yeah, like his movies true. I do too. You have two fans <laughs> at minimum. So yeah, definitely. Maybe if you like cute, funny, fun rom-coms and yeah, it's very also early two thousands. Again, I don't know why that's weirdly nostalgic for me. Maybe it's cause I was like about to graduate, graduate high school. Very fun, very funny. And very, like you said, the political stuff with him wanting to be, part of the Democrat party and then learning about Bill Clinton's indiscretions. It's just funny and fun and yeah. uh, hilarious. So <laughs> I really like definitely maybe it's one of the cutest movies I've seen. It was very cute. Very, very cute. Yes. <laughs> and I'm glad that I finally saw it. Me too. Uh, well, my number eight is kind of unconventional, even though the word romance is literally in the title. I say unconventional because when Quentin Tarantino writes a romantic film, it's not exactly what you're expecting, or maybe it is. There is a lot of violence. There is a lot of drugs. Um, (laughs) But true romance, I feel, is one of those forgotten gems that every time I rewatch it, I am constantly like, this movie is so well made. It's so fun. It's the music is like the cutest music to a romantic film. I think ever made, of course it plays after like some super hyper violent moments in the film, but you got a crazy (laughs) cast where Christian Slater, he plays like this kind of poor schmuck. He works at a comic book store he likes going to Kung Fu marathon, like Kung Fu movie marathons. And uh, he meets this woman and they fall in love after one night of watching Kung Fu films together. And she's like, I have a confession. And he's like, what? She's all, I know it sounds weird, but I think I love you. And I want to leave my life as an escort. And he's like, I love you too. Let's fucking get married. That's literally in the first 10 minutes of the film. <laughs> <laughs> And their love is like fun and quirky and weird because it's so fast paced and, you know, they get mixed Mm -hmm. up and he 
wants to like help her get out of the life of being an escort. So he find he takes it on himself to go and confront her ex pimp played by Gary Oldman. And he thinks he's like a Rastafarian gangster. So it's Gary Oldman <laughs> talking Rastafarian and having huge dreads. Very strange. Brad Pitt shows up at one point in a, in a small cameo Christian, <laughs> or Christopher Walken is in it. It's, the cast is incredible. Sounds like a fever dream if you're not. It's a such with an amazing film and everything. It's Tarantino. He wrote it. He didn't direct it, but he wrote it. And the movie just in true Tarantino fashion continues to escalate all the way through. Yeah. Um, Val Kilmer plays Elvis. Mm-hmm. Christian Slater is like his character is obsessed with Elvis. So he always kind of imagines Elvis is talking to him. He's like his guardian angel or his imaginary friend. It's just the movie's such a like, yeah, it's a fever dream of just unconventional romantic stories, but it's so good and it's so wonderful. And it's just, I fucking love this movie so much. I think more people need to go and see it. Uh, More people need to be a fan of Clarence in Alabama. That's Christian Slater and Patricia Arquette. Um, It's just, if you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor find it watch it you'll love it like it's one of those movies where i've met people who did not like it and every time i'm like i don't understand the words that you're saying (laughs) why wonderful movie (laughs) so true romance is my number eight (laughs) i remember it's the only movie i remember from your original romance list yes and it's primarily because we hyped up the whole we're doing a romance episode and yeah. then your first one was this Quentin Tarantino <laughs> written movie and mine was True Lies with Arnold Schwarzenegger and, <laughs> and all of a sudden right. we're like this isn't going to be a real romance episode at all <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad to see it moved up a couple spots I definitely <laughs> think that it's underappreciated especially for Tarantino fans because it doesn't get as much recognition as the ones that he actually directed, but right. it is a great written Tarantino it's movie. It's so really good. fun. Really it's fun. so good. Uh, okay, my number seven then is Hitch, your oh, right. uh, previous pick, <laughs> and you did kind of spoil it is exactly a rom-com for dudes, which is the weirdest and wildest thing, and I, it's not obvious like i didn't realize it until recently like you said like it's i just watched it and i was like this is literally for dudes like it's from the perspective of men it is about the whole experience of being afraid to approach women and Mm -hmm. and that fear or that anxiety of not being enough for women and it's about a bunch of very normal men and it's just so incredible and so i think it's so approachable but i also know tons of women that love this movie and they feel like it's just a normal rom-com in their mind which is so weird <laughs> it's it's such a fun funny movie and i think a lot of that rides on will smith like you said it's back when he was normal and good and not <laughs> Not in the headlines for being part of a weird relationship. I feel like Jada Pinkett has kind of weirdly made him, I don't know, neutered in a weird way. <laughs> but it, he is great in it. And, but it mostly rides on the fact that Kevin James is just such an incredible, normal, 
everyman kind of character. (laughs) Clumsy and hyper nervous all the time, especially around a woman that he has feelings for. He's like, I mean, he's a mess, but then he's hyper confident in aspects that are amazing, but that other people might be like, no, we don't dance like that. But I gotta (laughs) tell you, as someone who excels at like white, white guy, you know, dad (laughs) dancing, um, His dance moves, I was like, yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> you keep that I up. <laughs> wish I could dance as good as he does. I can't do I... that spin move, but that was amazing. <laughs> yeah, very coordinated for a white dad dude. Definitely. Uh, yeah, it's it's def- it, it also follows the classic rom-com formula of a guy that likes a girl and then puts his heart out there and then withhold some information and then she finds out about it and then they get in trouble and break up and all that stuff but it's also not as serious like he doesn't directly lie to her or trick her into a relationship like most of those situations he he doesn't do anything wrong in my <laughs> like <opinion>. at <laughs> all <laughs> like she gets mad at him for not telling him about her job his job but also he doesn't lie to her. He doesn't do anything wrong, really, in withholding the fact that he helps these other guys gain confidence in these situations. And then also, the moral of the story is really positive and good for men in general, which is you don't need a date doctor. All you need to be is yourself. You're mm-hmm. being yourself and being confident in that is enough because he gets to the point where he helps all these guys find these dates, but then he doesn't actually like the, the, the woman that is the dream of Kevin James's character. She, he just is himself and he, and doesn't follow any of the directions of the date <laughs> yeah. doctor and uh, she still falls in love with him. So it's just about being yourself, being confident, being, uh, being, fun and and not thinking and worrying so much and mm. uh you can land the woman in your dreams and i think it's just the perfect movie for that so hitch even though it's it's kind of just a fun medium movie i feel like has kind of gotten lost in time as being just like oh that was a nice movie no it's actually really really good and really really positive good and really different, I feel like, is mostly why I put it on my list like you. It's, yeah. it, you don't, there aren't many rom-coms for dudes that are, that are not action-focused like True Lies or something like that. So it's Hitch true. is great. Yeah, fantastic movie. Um, it's funny. It does follow the formula. But like I said earlier, I mean, it, it just kind of like it, it is for, for the everyman. And that kind of mm-hmm. feels good. Like, hey. See, yeah, not all of us are douchebags. Like, right. That was a great part of it. Is that like, there's only one douchebag in the movie, and he's very obviously douchebag. Like everybody agrees, men and women, (laughs) you're a shithead, and all of the other guys are very nice, normal men, and they're not treated as like misogynist or all this other stuff. So it's very great, very good, very great movie. Go us for picking Hitch. All right. (laughs) I did not expect it at all. <laughs> I kind of like, I don't know if I expected it. 
but kind of had a feeling it would at least get mentioned. What I did not expect mm-hmm. is both you and I having that same thought of like, this is for dudes. This is <laughs> yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's great. All right. Well, my number seven is, I guess you could also say kind of unconventional because it's one that wasn't a big hit. Not too many people, I think, have seen it, Um, Hmm. which is a shame because I think it's a fantastic movie with a really cool point to it. Um, And that's refusing to back down from fighting for love, which is a cool thing. So my number seven is a movie from, I can't even remember what year it came out, 2012. Um, It's called The Adjustment Bureau. It's with Matt Damon and Emily Blunt. Okay. (laughs) I remember coming out. I barely remember the movie. Okay. So The Adjustment Bureau follows Matt Damon's character, who is this aspiring politician in New York. And he comes across this woman who kind of shifts something inside of him. She kind of inspires something inside of him. It's a one-off meeting and, but she kind of like sticks in his head and he ends up like coming across these people mm-hmm. who have frozen time and are like messing with people's minds. And he is told about the people behind the curtain, essentially where they're called the adjustment bureau. They're essentially people who try to, who make sure every human follows their fate. So Mm. they keep telling him, you are not meant to be with this woman, but he tells them like, it feels right. If I'm not supposed to be with her, then why do I feel like she's everything to me? So his whole life becomes dedicated to finding her to keep fighting fate to find this woman and they keep fight like they do find each other and then they lose each other it does that cycle a couple times but the movie isn't like romantic in the in terms of oh it's full of these super sweet moments for an hour and a half like a majority of the film is spent running um Mm -hmm. but i think the point of the film kind of takes the idea or the the principle of love, which is you should fight for it, especially when it's real or true love uh, against all, all odds. And it, it made a really compelling movie about it. It, it challenges some like thought processes on stuff, which I think is fun. Um, but it's just, a, it's a cool movie. It's a very original kind of romantic story. Um, and it's just, it, it's one that I think more people should have seen because it's well-written. It's well-executed very interesting and yeah very cool like i think it's one of damon's best that no one talks about so yeah definitely one of those movies that's kind of been lost to time i don't think anybody remembers the adjustment bureau yeah and it's wild to me that it's based on a short story by philip k dick who did (laughs) the story blade runner is based on and the story total recall is based on (laughs) and all this sci-fi incredible movies uh, yeah, I definitely need to rewatch that. It's a cool movie. It's a very, very cool movie. Um, okay. Especially if you're a fan of either Emily Blunt or Matt Damon. Uh, if you saw Oppenheimer and you saw them in that movie, you should watch <laughs> Adjustment Bureau, which was the first one they starred together in. So, yeah, very cool. Yeah, film. great throwback. 
Okay. Uh, my number six is a little less hidden, a little less underknown, if that's a word. Very popular, I would say, my number six is, as acclaimed as being one of the best movies of all time. My number six is Casablanca. All right. All right. I've, I've always loved Casablanca. I'm kind of a sucker, I guess, for the unrequited love story. Of yeah. Two characters that want to be together, should be together, but then don't or can't or for whatever reason. Not to spoil the movie from 1942 that you should have seen by now. If you liked La La Land, it's very much the same sort of ending where they should <laughs> Not be to together. spoil La La Land as well. <laughs> also, if you haven't seen La La Land, you should have by now. <laughs> they don't get together at the end. <laughs> okay, so the name of this episode is Jake inadvertently spoils every movie on his list. <laughs> <laughs> sure, why not? Who cares? <laughs> if you haven't seen La La Land the heralded and acclaimed and Oscar-winning film of all time, uh, you also haven't seen Casablanca. And in both cases, they're similar premises. And uh, I, I love Casablanca. I think that it's a unique take on the set during World War II pastiche, if that's mm -hmm. a word. I think it's a word. I've heard people it say is. it before. It's set during World War II, but these couple that were in love in France, in Paris, France, are forced out because of the Nazis and then uh, separated. And Rick, played by Humphrey Bogart, ends up owning a bar in French Morocco in the city of Casablanca. And, uh, and then they get reunited suddenly and mysteriously and un unexpectedly. And the great uh, Ingrid Bergman plays... Uh, Ilsa, who is one of my favorites, um, and and they're kind of rekindle what they were feeling, but she's also kind of with this French resistance guy, and you wonder if she will start things up again with Rick, or if she'll stay with him, and it's just a great back and forth, a great tension of the time period and the setting and everything, and then everybody, I think, has heard of Casablanca, has probably heard of the lines, the quotes from the movie of play it against Sam and, yeah. and all that stuff. It's, but once you see it in context and once you see it in the characters, it's just nothing can replace it. So it's, it's one of those feel good movies that I return to all the time. One of my favorite old movies, black and white movies of all time. And, and the romance in it, even though it's not fulfilling in the sense that most of these romance movies are, it's still, romantic in a in a unexpected or unachievable kind of way and so yeah. i i love that i guess failure of achieving romance in the same sense that i love the actual the, the romantic romantic movies and so it kind of <laughs> i felt balanced out my list to include it it is a beautiful movie. It really is such a cool movie. It's classic. It's a timeless film. I feel if you are a fan of movies in general and you have yeah. not seen Casablanca, like, uh, there's, there's like, there are movies where you are kind of required to see and Casablanca is high on that list. Uh, yeah. great film. 
great film. I like your pick, Jake. I like it. Uh, (laughs) All right. Well, my number six is also a very popular movie. Uh, It's not quite as serious. In fact, it's not really serious at all, like Casablanca is. Um, I think it's quoted several times. I have a feeling you will, because I I juggled on which one of this dude's movies to put on this list. And I figured, well, I love them both. Uh But I'm going to put this one because... This is just the one that is more quotable to me and I watch more often. And I'm pretty positive Jake is going to have this other one on his list. So they're both probably going to get talked about. So we'll cover all bases. Um, Mine also features one of the greatest like post breakup songs ever made. And it also features one of the greatest like relationship songs ever made. And they both come from Mr. Adam Sandler. Uh, number six is the wedding singer. Mm, this movie is yeah. just, it's so funny and it's so sweet and I will never not watch this movie and sing along to when he sings his song about his ex and how he hopes <laughs> she fucking chokes. Um, <laughs> yeah. But his song, I want to grow old with you is like all jokes aside. The what best. a song. Yeah. And what a tune. Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> but that movie in general, I, I love the story of it. I love their relationship from just kind of like acquaintances, kind of friends to the friends, and then learning and kind of just growing into this like, oh no, there's something real and genuine here. Um, and actually pursuing it. I just think it's one of the sweetest movies that Adam Sandler, I think, has ever put out. Mm-hmm. It, it's fun. It's funny. It's tons of heart. I know you and I have talked about this extensively about a lot of his movies where through all the silliness, they tend to still have some pretty heavy heart moments or like there, there's a lot of love in his films. And this one is yeah. up there in terms of that. Um, yeah, it's just such a wonderful movie. I can't not have it on this list. I I watch it constantly. <laughs> yeah, I don't fault you at all. I think that you're absolutely right. And I think that Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore are incredible in it. They're awesome. They're like hot take, maybe. I feel like they're overall are better than Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan in their filmography. Like... The Wedding Singer, Blended, which is underrated, but I love thoroughly. Mm -hmm. And then... um, 50 First Dates. 50 First Dates, thank you. Yes, that one especially, I feel like, is just so good and so silly, but so wholesome at the same Mm -hmm. time. And Adam Sandler does that so well. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. I totally agree. (laughs) Okay. Uh, My number five... Speaking of Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, it is one of the <laughs> classics of all time. Um, I didn't actually read my notes when I started talking a second ago, but that is the case. I did put You've Got Mail at number five. And Hell yeah. It's great. 
it's definitely great. I don't mean to shit on it at all. It's great um, all around. Although, I will say, rewatching it for this week, I was like, obviously, You've Got Mail is going to be on my list. But then I rewatched it and I was like, there's quite a bit of weird stuff in this movie. Like, there's weird. <laughs> the story is a little weird at times. It's weirdly pl- placed. The relationships between not like Tom Hanks and his dad and his grandpa and mm-hmm. their wives and his uh, his like nephew and his cousins. It's just a weird. A lot of weird stuff going on. So it's weird all around, but it's also kind of just a really cute. It's mostly a cute movie. It really makes me wish that I watched it like in the fall. Like I'm not a oh, huge yeah. fan of like <laughs> a lot of people are big fans of the New York is a character kind of movies. And I don't give a shit about New York, <laughs> but, but I do really like the whole feeling the season kind of movies. And I feel like you've got mail does a good job of feeling fall and feeling mm-hmm. Halloween and pencils and going back to school and all the stuff that they kind of talk about and and Meg Ryan and her character and her little bookstore and all that stuff. It does a really cute job of kind of describing all of that and describing the context and also being early nineties and being very AOL based and you've got mail. Yeah. And, well, is that 97 is when it came out? 97 uh, or 98? Yeah, that sounds right. I actually didn't write it down. That sounds right, though. I think you're right. The unfortunate thing about You've Got Mail is it only works in that time period. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's such a random thing to make a pen pal out of a stranger through email. Mm-hmm. Like Nobody does that anymore. That's not a thing that ever happens uh, <laughs> in the last... 10, 20 years, but in 1997 and 1998-ish, that time period, it was definitely the point of the movie, and also, I mean, being based on an old movie, uh, The Shop Around the Corner, and actually being pen pals with paper and ink and old-timey yeah. stuff like that, uh, it kind of falls in that footsteps just for a new generation. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really fun. It has a great supporting cast with Greg Kinnear and, and Steve Chappelle. Yeah, Steve, Dave Chappelle. Uh, it's it's just incredible, fun. Maybe peak rom com era. Like yeah. there's a lot, like I said, there's a lot of weird stuff that happens. And I was like, this is parts of this are weirder than I remember, and and <laughs> worth discussing on a deeper level. But then once everything kicks in and you get towards the end, and you and 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 the dog is there and. She's like, I, I hoped it was you. Like, you, just, you start crying and you don't even care what's happening on screen anymore. It's like, you get it. You're there. Uh, that that was me. I, I cried a little bit. So you've got mail. It's incredible. Uh, it's an honorable mention for me. It's one that I have always loved. I've just always. The movie feels like her bookstore to me. Mm hmm that aesthetic it's like it's not a big movie it's kind of a quiet film it's full of like a lot of life to it there's a lot of interesting things in it whether you like it or not um i've always wanted to visit her bookstore though or a bookstore that's like that i've gone to so many small independent bookshops 
and they're they're all cool. I enjoy them all, but there's something about her shop that I've always been like, I really, really wish I could visit the little shop around the corner. There's just something about her and her her staff and the aesthetic mm-hmm. of that shop that's just so cool. It just feels wholesome. That's what you've got mail is. It's so wholesome. Yeah, it's super cheese ball and it's so like only works in that time period, but it's such a sweet movie. I do love mm-hmm. it. It's my favorite out of the Hanks and Meg Ryan romantic films that they made. And they did what four yeah. or five of them. It's my favorite of theirs. So yeah, I can only think of three sleepless in Seattle and Joe versus the volcano. Oh, maybe it was three. Anyways, we'll Google it later. We'll Google it later. Great pick, Jake. Great pick. Yeah. All right. So my number five was also one from my previous, the first recording, um, although it was rated much higher on that list. Mm. Okay. Uh, it only dropped down because rewatching a couple of these, I was like, what the hell was <laughs> I thinking? But that's okay. That's okay. Um, because I still have to defend this one, I feel pretty, pretty profusely. So, bear with me, considering okay. it's a movie about actively trying to forget the love of your life. Um, mm. I feel like some people might, your wife being the primary one, being like, "Are you <laughs> fucking kidding me?" But no, I'm not kidding. It's actually very romantic because it's one of the very few movies where the characters are kind of forced to come to terms with their faults and their time together and then mm-hmm. make the decision. Do we, do we try again? Do we fight for this? How much do we care? And that's why it's on my list is because as Jim Carrey is trying to actively erase his memory, mm. <laughs> yeah, he ends up learning just how much he actually is in love and wants to keep those memories and fight for, retaining that um and his character is such a like quiet insecure mess already so to see him start to actively go after like oh shit i need to preserve this this is actually beautiful and worth keeping uh, i think that says a lot about love in general so Mm -hmm. eternal sunshine of the spotless mind is my number five i just think it's it's such a unique film but it also says a lot about love in general. Um, And yeah, the two characters, their conflict, which is the majority of the film, but when you see it through his memories and and there's a shift in the tone in the film, as he starts learning how much he actually appreciates and misses and loves her. uh, I think it's just one of the, one of the coolest movies, coolest ways to show true love. Um, yeah, I I absolutely love this film. I just think it's such a wonderful film and so unique. It's so yeah. unique. It's like it's the kind of art house I like where it's not overly art housey. It, it it kind of borderlines it a little bit. It's kind of a gray area. But it sticks to its theme and it never gets so weird that it loses the audience. It, it keeps you engaged with it. And that's why I think it uh, doesn't f- go full art house, which is 
thank God it doesn't. Uh, <laughs> but I love this movie. I, I think it's it, it's another one that I think deserves much more praise than I think it it gets, and it gets quite a bit. But it's a beautiful film. So yeah, yeah, I think it's it's emotionally beautiful, beautiful from a story perspective, but also very visually beautiful. Yeah. And, and the way that the imagery and the, the, the mindscape and the slipping of time, the slipping of memories and fading away of things is done is such a beautiful way. I think that mm. it's, it's, it's probably, I agree, one of my, probably my favorite of the Charlie Kaufman movies among Bill and yeah. John Malkovich and, and, uh, and, all, and all those movies. I think that it's definitely great. So... It's beautiful. I totally agree. Uh, my number four is a movie that I couldn't have had on my previous list because I've seen it more recently than we did that episode. Ah. And then when I first saw this movie, I really liked it. And then I saw it again, and I was like, I really, really liked it. And then uh, my wife reminded me of it for this episode. She's like, you really like that movie? I was like, you're right. I really like that movie. <laughs> and so I revisited it again. And I was like, God damn, this movie is great. So my number four, it moved all the way up. And I just shoved it all the way up at number four. Uh, my number four is Destination Wedding. <laughs> yes. Keanu that Reeves movie was and, awesome. <laughs> yeah. So... Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder. It's a, it's a special kind of movie because it has all of these different characters in it, but the only speaking parts in the whole movie are Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder's character. And it just focuses on them, like laser focused on them as these two people that independently get invited to this destination wedding at a mutual person that they know. One is his brother and it's like half brother or stepbrother, and one is like her ex boyfriend, and they end up going to this wedding, and they're the most repulsive and <laughs> annoying people ever. They're, they're so miserable. They're so miserable, and they kind of end up like start talking to each other, but end up hating each other initially, and then end up being these kind of people that are just in the background of the whole wedding entertainment and the activities scene that they go like everybody's forced to go wine tasting they're forced to go to reception dinners and all stuff and they're just like the the misfits at this other table that nobody wants to talk to so they end up talking to each other and it's just the most interesting thing i think the huge win for this movie is how tight the dialogue is yeah. the dialogue and how they talk to each other they're they're honest with each other in the sense that they are very annoyed by each other and the dialogue is very undercutting and biting and and absurd, but also the, as they very naturally get to know each other and are honest with each other and share things. And so they kind of grow closer together through the course of the movie. And then towards the end the the whole festivities and pseudo vacation kind of comes to a close and you hope they'll get together even though they're the weirdest fucking couple you've ever seen in a <laughs> rom-com movie and uh and, and you just end up cheering for them and it's the greatest thing even though they're the most 
prickly and a repulsive like they're trying intentionally to repulse each other away from themselves it's just great and then and then you add the icing on the cake is the fact that Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder are sort of kind of married like they've <laughs> been married for 30 years in the sense that they were both in Bram Stoker's Dracula yep like 30 years ago and and Francis Ford Coppola hired a legitimate orthodox priest and went through the entire ceremony with them on screen and so both of them say they're probably married in the eyes of God and have never done anything to get divorced and so they're very the nicest people like the nicest <laughs> actors in Hollywood and the most enjoyable people so, so to see them come together again in this movie it's so enjoyable. It's just like it an is. extra layer of niceness, and uh, I I love this movie. I love I love the dialogue. I love how like quick and 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 biting and smart it is. But also, it's it's a very realistic movie about these people who are kind of nihilistic and yeah. and selfish, but also overcoming that and seeing their counterpoint in another person and and uh allowing themselves to fall in love so it, it's a sweet sweet fun funny movie about these people that hate each other in the beginning it's so fun <laughs> yeah that movie i remember it being very funny and I remember a lot of the dialogue just catching me off guard i mean like these guys are assholes <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, like that absolutely. pick. Man, it's been a while since I watched that movie. I should I should revisit it. Uh, you should. Well, my my number 4 um I'm pretty sure it was on my original list too. Uh, I think it was. In fact, I think it may have actually been at the same spot. Maybe not. I don't know. Anyways, uh this movie still to this day has one of the greatest like speeches made in a romantic film. I think it's one of those that kind of set the standard or helped set a new standard in terms of how you conclude a romantic film and uh, rebuild a conflict or not rebuild the conflict, but like rejuvenate the love of the couple, bring them back together as romantic okay. films have to do. Um, yeah. But the movie in general is so fucking good. And every time I watch it, I'm always just like, not only is this a crazy great romantic film about these two characters who kind of gamble on their lives separately, but together in terms of success and just each other without romance being a, a factor initially, but it just kind of grows because our close quarters together. Um, but the movie as a whole is like, this movie's so fucking good like, it is so good <laughs> but jerry Maguire is my number four mm. i just think this movie hits me every time i watch it between his friendship with you know the athletes and then with renee zellweger and her son and just his growth as a character Kind of like it's like his subconscious forces him to grow up and he struggles with that for the majority of the film. I think that's a cool thing to kind of see. I think everyone 
has moments like that where you know there's like I can be better, I should be better. How do mm-hmm. I get better? I'm scared to be better. Um and then Renee Zellweger's character, she's her and her son are just kind of there and they like bring out the best of him. And so when the romance actually starts, it's kind of like not for the best of intentions, but it grows and their love is pretty cool to see them like base this whole thing and they become this unit. But the speech, which everyone, I I mean, if you've never heard the Jerry Maguire speech, what rock are you still under? Right. Um, it gets like that speech is so powerful and it's so like, it's not even that long actually mm-hmm. of a speech, but what he says is so good. And it's so to the point of combating a cynical world and how do you combat that? And uh, I love this movie. I absolutely fucking love this movie. It's so good. It like, <laughs> yeah, but, I, yeah, I couldn't have it be lower on the list because when I rewatched it a couple, I ended up watching it a couple times because I was like, it it just seems to get better to me every time I watch it. And it's like an older film. It's from 1996. And mm-hmm. I think it's better these days than it was when it came out. It's, yeah, it's a powerful movie. So, Jerry yeah. Maguire. Yeah, I think as Tom Cruise has gotten older, most people remember him as just like an action star. And yeah. he's he's great physically and great, all of that stuff. But like in the 90s and 80s, he did a lot of very heartfelt and deep and kind of bizarre and yeah. like zany physicality kind of <laughs> act, like comedic uh, movies and and uh, Jerry Maguire is maybe his best of the bunch. I definitely agree. He's great in that. Yeah, it's I'm just... not the hugest Renee Zellweger fan, but she's uh, the overall story and all of the characters. They're great. Yeah, yeah, and her yeah. the little boy. Oh, God damn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he sells it. If he doesn't melt your heart, then. I pity you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah, and, uh, I, I I relate to that. I don't have it on my list, but I relate to that in the sense that I was very close to putting another movie written directed by Cameron Crowe on my list, which is Elizabeth Town. Okay, and uh, and he did both of those movies, wrote and directed them, and it's it's a very similar kind of thing where it's like comedic, but also very serious and also very romantic and also very, these kids are very fun and cute and poignant. And uh, there's a lot of crossover. I think they're kind of dark in ways. Yeah. 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 It's great. Uh, Okay. My number three then is potentially the greatest love story ever told. Uh, At least that's how it's heralded. Not, what you're thinking of. I can tell, oh. by, your stu- I can tell by your stupid face that it's <laughs> exactly what you're thinking of. Mine is actually, you will agree, I think, is a great movie. And from the perspective of the story, it's told it is the greatest love story ever told. So mine number three is The Princess Bride, which I know you like and wouldn't make that face about. I do love that movie, though. <laughs> 
Like you should tell you're so depressed. You're like, God, <laughs> that stupid face. That was <laughs> Do you realize how many times in this episode you have said fuck you or like some kind of like angry retort towards me? Well, yeah, you deserve it. So I, can't, <laughs> I haven't said anything wrong as far as I know. Princess Bride, if anybody hasn't heard, so you have you should have seen the Princess Bride by now. If you haven't seen it, get out of whatever you're doing. <laughs> Call a sick day, do something, and go see the Princess Bride because I didn't see it for a really long time. Came out the year I was born, 1987, and I didn't see it for a very long time. And then uh, my cousins or whatever, they're like, "Have you heard of the Princess Bride?" And I was like, "No, never even heard of this movie. Don't know anything about it." They knew all about it. They loved it. They quoted it constantly and were obsessed with it. And then as soon as you watch it, you kind of understand, of course, of course you're obsessed with it. Of course it's incredible because it's 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 fun. It's funny. It's romantic. It's just perfect on every level, every character, every story, all of their arcs and motivations and everything is just perfect and so, so entertaining. Is one of the most perfect movies that I think will always stand the test of time. Not just the romance between Buttercup and 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 Wesley the, and Wesley and their whole the whole like in the world fantasy story between between Enigma Toya and Fezzik and all of these characters, but also it's framed in the sense that there's a grandfather coming to tell his grandson a story when he's sick and this grandson is just playing video games and doesn't really care and doesn't really know his grandpa or like his grandpa. He's like, he always kisses me. It's weird. He's it's gross. He's going to pinch my cheek. Yeah. It's just <laughs> awkward. And everybody's always felt that, but it's such a great experience for him to tell this story as a way to bond with his grandson mm -hmm. and, and share that with him. And they kind of end up, feeling the same things uniting and and interacting in a way that they can relate to each other and that's great and then also the story itself and all of the characters and all of the stuff is great so it's just one of the most perfect movies i think everybody involved and rob reiner directing it it's just it's incredible so you need to have seen the princess bride if you haven't at this point yeah um it, uh, it's perfect it's one of those movies. I didn't put it on my list, uh, not because I don't love it. I absolutely adore it, um, but I figured it was going to get talked about. So yeah, I felt to. it was safe to not put it on the list. Um, but it really is like it's known as being the greatest love story. Like it, Buttercup and Wesley is, I mean they're he literally like sails across the world to find her again and then overcomes being mostly dead uh, <laughs> to, to be reunited. But I think that movie is one. I think every, especially boys, because mm -hmm. I, I don't remember the first time I saw it. I know I wasn't that young. I think I was in my teens. Uh, the first time I saw it. Mm hmm. 
But I think when you see the Princess Bride, every boy is like, bleh, I don't care to watch this kind of thing. Like, bleh. Is this a kissing movie? Is this a kissing movie? (laughs) Which is funny because, like, I grew up watching rom-coms, so Uh I've always been used to kissing movies. But there's something about The Princess Bride when you first hear about it as a young boy. Yeah, Yeah. your first thought is just like, oh, I don't care about this. But then the story unfolds, and you realize, like, I am the the child at the beginning where I'm like, no, like, yeah, you, you can't interrupt that. Like, are they together? Like, he can't. <laughs> yeah, we need we need them to be together. What is happening here? Yeah, uh, it makes you care about uh, about them and their relationship. Yeah, I love that movie. I adore it. It's one of those classics to me that is so perfect as it is that it should never be touched redone. Mm -hmm. It should never like, it should be preserved. It's just, it's a perfect film. It it is. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And and their love story is pretty incredible. So (laughs) yeah. One of the best ever. All right. Number three, my, my top three, like most of our top tens could essentially be jumbled together. Mm. Um, well, okay, no, my, my number three and my number two could be jumbled together. My number one stays as it is. <laughs> but okay. but my number three is one that I'm always bummed more people don't know about, have watched. I feel it's one, it's like the perfect date night movie. It's so mm-hmm. good. Um, it is a period film. So it's like set in the old, 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 old times. So if you like those costumes, the wardrobes of all that, it's right up your alley. It's also a different take on a classic tale, but I think it's done better than the classic tale. It's like the best telling of the story. Um, I did not mean to have Drew Barrymore show up twice on my list, but when she pumps out a movie like ever after, yeah. Uh <laughs> this movie is incredible. And every time I watch it, I'm always just like this is possibly one of the best <laughs> romantic like it just is. It's the best version of Cinderella, Drew Barrymore. I think it's my favorite role of hers ever. Um the music, the the time period it's set in, the costumes, the sets, it's all so well done. It's beautiful. And the story of Danielle. Leonardo da Vinci. And yeah, Leonardo da Vinci shows up. and He's great. He's kind of a comedic relief, but not intentionally. Um, it's just, it's such a beautiful movie. It, it like it, It's one of those films where from the start to the finish, you feel completely immersed in this world. And you are rooting for Danielle, Drew Barrymore's character, so much. You know the story of Cinderella, but there's mm-hmm. a, the way the movie is played out, the stakes seem higher. There's yeah. more emotion to it. And Drew Barrymore's kindness and perseverance for just life and just being good. Mm-hmm. To have that combat Angelica Houston's portrayal of the the stepmother is like I mean it's yeah it's so well done and Angelica Houston is 
man, when I was rewatching, I was like, <laughs> do I need to rethink our top 10 villain list? Cause she's, yeah, she's up there. I think she's, she's definitely up there. There's like is, so many times where she's cruel. And then there's just the hint of being like, she could be good. She could care about you. And then she takes it away. She's not. <laughs> and she like, it's not so much that she just takes it away. It's like, I mean, it is, it is evil. Like it is sinister. Yeah. How she manipulates, how she can, her condescending way. And it's just, Oh, Angelica mm-hmm. Houston is, I mean, she's a gem in this movie. I mean, when an actor can play the character so well that you were like, I can't stand seeing you on screen. You're doing a good job. So <laughs> like your character came out well, but yeah. ever after I, it's another one. I think more people should watch. It's like the perfect date night movie. It really is. I mean, it fuels yeah. love. You feel elated by the time the movie concludes. So it's just, I I thought it was going to be a little bit lower on my list. And then I rewatched it and it was just like, <laughs> Nope. Nope, nope. This thing's way up there. <laughs> it's one of the only movies that I was a hundred percent confident would be on your list because I know yes. how much you love it. <laughs> I know you love it so much, and uh, with good reason. I love it too, for sure. But okay. I was confident in leaving it off and leaving an honorable mention because I was like, "We're all absolutely going to talk about it," <laughs> uh, and, and so it we is, shall. <laughs> it is the kind of movie that I feel like. If you told me, hey, you want to watch a movie that's based on Cinderella and it stars Drew Barrymore, I was like, no, I don't give a shit about that. But then you show me Ever After, I'm like, I love this movie. Just the way that it's done and the way that it the way that it portrays her and her relationship with her evil stepmother and stepsisters and all stuff. But also the context behind it with her relationship with her father mm-hmm. and... The, the love she had for him and the books he showed her and all this stuff. And then the relationship with the prince, even though not really meaning to have a relationship with the prince and then throwing in Leonardo da Vinci and, and all this stuff. It's so fun and so interesting and so sweet. It's a great telling and, and it does of a that great story. job of kind of bringing to light or just kind of not even bringing to light, but like, no metaphors, no hints. She flat out calls the prince out on don't you want to strive to be better? And it's I think that's such an important trait in like partners is someone that's going to challenge you to grow. Mm -hmm. And and a lot of the things that I saw kind of realized, I mean, most rom-coms are going to share this, but the way this movie does it is just, it feels like there's, well, I said it earlier, the stakes are higher. So it feels like there's something deeper to it mm-hmm. and him. I don't, I mean, you, everyone knows the story of Cinderella, so I feel it's not a spoiler, but in a way, but his realization of how much he actually is in love with Danielle. It's one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. Cause it's just okay. like when love is so grand, you can't help but kind of like laugh out of elation. It's so good. <laughs> and just kind of like mm-hmm. it's ever after is fucking go see it. People. If you haven't seen it, watch it. Yeah, it's great. Fellas. It's absolutely great. I'll Fellas close on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Okay, my number two is... So we're getting in a lot. I feel like a lot of my movies before have been like rom-coms and high on the comedy and less on the romance. I feel like my top two are much more serious romance side of things. And also I feel like, I mean, I brought up Rachel McAdams before when I was talking about, are you there? Goddess me. It's not the movie you think it is. Stop making that face. God damn. <laughs> I thought of Rachel McAdams before. I feel like she's been kind of around this episode because I've talked about her in, she, I mean, she's in season two of True Detective. I talked about True Detective before. She's in Are You There, God Is Me, Margaret. But she's in this movie too. She's in The Time Traveler's Wife. Oh, okay. 2009, <laughs> which is one of my favorite, com or not comedies, romance movies. Because you know me, I like sci-fi complicated time travel story <laughs> you do and this is that but with some love involved as well <laughs> and so the time traveler's wife is such a great story where eric banna plays this this guy who has this very bizarre affliction that he will randomly and occasionally travel through time forward or backward to a spot be naked when he does it he's like the terminator in that situation where he gets there and has no clothes no idea where he is no idea what he's doing no idea how old he is in that situation and then has to kind of make it make his way through life for as long as it lasts and then through that time or through all these different time periods throughout his life he kind of jumps through time ends up meeting this girl Claire, played by Rachel McAdams, and uh, meets her when she's older, meets her when she's younger, meets her at the time he's supposed to meet her in normal life in college, and ends up uh, falling in love with her, forming a family with her, having kids with her, and then kind of continues to have this problem where he travels back and forth in time. And the way it's told, the way it's shown to you and unfolded through the course of the movie is just one of the most beautiful and sweet things I've ever seen. It's, 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 it's beautiful and it's tells the story of their love and their connection in a way that transcends time and space mm -hmm. and anything. It's one of the most, it, it reminds me of Interstellar when at the end, when Anne Hathaway is talking about how all of, of <laughs> all those different inadvertently well, you haven't seen the end of Interstellar by now you should have. It's not even, I guess it's a spoiler. It's just the fact that she talked, Anne Hathaway talks about love is one of those forces like gravity or anything else that doesn't, doesn't, isn't controlled by time, isn't limited yeah. by time like all of the other forces are. And so love, like gravity, is like that. And this movie is exactly that. And so I, if you haven't seen The Time Traveler's Life, I highly recommend it. It's, one of more than one movie of Rachel, about Rachel McAdams being in love with the guy who travels through time because she's also in About Time uh, with Bill Nye and uh, What's-His-Face, the other brother from the guys from Banshees of Inishir and what, Gleason. What's that other guy's name? Uh, about Time. I'm rambling, Brandon isn't Gleason? it? By Time. Brent, no, Dom Hall, Dom Hall, Dom Hall, Dom Hall, Dom Hall Gleason. Hall, okay, okay. Gleason. 
uh, he is also in that movie with Bill Nye, and uh, he also kind of travels through time. So, <laughs> which is also really good, but I don't feel as good as the time traveler's wife. So I love this movie. It's it's beautiful. It's sweet. It works on so many levels, not just as romance, but also his relationship with his mother and getting to know her and her music. And it's so beautiful and so lovely. So if you haven't heard it, you should have. I had every intention because I know how much you love that movie. And you have told me to watch that movie so uh-huh. many times. I had every intention of getting it watched before this episode. <laughs> Okay. But I ran out of time, ironically. <laughs> I was ironic. unable to get it watched. I kind of wish I would have watched that other, you know, rather than like Poor Things or Saltburn. Um, yeah. I, but, you will highly more likely like, like to like I'm it. Sure than I those would. <laughs> but it is, uh, I like, I am still planning on watching it because I know how much you love it, even before this episode. Like, you have talked about it for years. So mm-hmm. it is going to get watched. Okay. <laughs> Better. All right. My number two has some very funny moments in it, but the movie is not focused on the comedy. In fact, it's probably of my whole list. Mm-hmm. Dare I say both of our lists? It might be the most honest portrayal of love in terms of it being misguided, um, young and naive Uh and broken and new and scary. Like it it focuses on all those different aspects of love and it does it in a very honest, at times absurd, sure, ways. But ultimately, the conclusion of it is kind of open-ended, which is what I appreciate the most about this movie. Um, we I actually brought this movie up on our favorite movie couples episode that we did like a year or so ago. Mm, um, yeah. But this movie to me is just so... I, I, I think it's... Uh, I just lost the word. But you can watch it at any stage you find yourself when it comes to the topic of love. Mm -hmm. So you could be broken up after a nasty breakup. You could watch this movie and you're going to get something positive out of it. You can be newly in love and you're going to find positive in it. You're like, it's just all over the place and it does it in such an honest and real way. And that's what makes the movie work so well. Cause you also, at the same time as you get to see, the main characters grow and fall kind of simultaneously or parallel to each other. You get to see just you in almost all of these characters. Um, so my number two is crazy, stupid love. Yeah. I just think it, it's such an incredible film and Ryan Gosling and Steve Carell together. Perfect Matt. Like that is a great, casting decision they work so well together (laughs) but ryan gosling and emma stone Mm -hmm. are truly perfect 
and their characters are so well written and their relationship is so great because although not shown on screen a lot, every time you see them, you instantly know kind of where they're at and you instantly understand and feel for them and you you're siding with them. And Mm -hmm. it's just such a cool story to watch everyone kind of learning as they're going and it's miss, you know, there's misguided stuff and that's the funny parts, but what I, what ultimately sold me on this movie being so high up on my list, I think every guy at the end of the day or every person at the end of the day is going to like the idea of doing something, some grand gesture in some Mm -hmm. form, even when we're scared of it. Even when we know it's going to fail, we never know if it'll work out. But just the fact that love is going to drive you to do some ridiculous things. That's kind of beautiful. Yeah. In a scary way. So I love this movie. Absolutely love it. (laughs) Yeah, it's a beautiful, uh, it's a natural and... uh unfortunately rare combination of the comedy of Steve Carell and Ryan Gosling together. They're, they're so different, but so great together at the same time. And then, yeah, you're totally right of having this couple who are kind of newly announced divorce or headed towards divorce at the beginning of the movie, pitted up against this other couple who are just meeting and starting to fall in love. And then they kind of collide with each other uh, it, it works on so many levels. It's just kind of a movie about love and how crazy and stupid it is. Kind of makes sense. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> the title <laughs> is perfect. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Love this movie yeah. so much. <laughs> That's a great one. I agree. Uh, okay. My number one is the movie that you've made all the faces about. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Hold on, hold on. Chill the fuck out. There we go. <laughs> I added the groan uh, in there too. Just, okay. (laughs) Gotta get it out there. Uh, Yeah. Like you, I love Ryan Gosling. And uh, I've mentioned Rachel McAdams a couple of times already. The Notebook, as I know that you know, I love it. And I know that you don't love it. I know you've watched it at my behest and still didn't love it. Um, but I didn't hate it. Okay. It was okay. I didn't hate it. Yeah. Um, It's better than not hating it. In my opinion. Um, (laughs) It's weird though. I have seen people online start to be like, well, this movie is a little problematic in ways and their relationship. And you're not wrong. I I get it to you too. I get it. I get it. I mean, I, Totally agree. Mostly on uh, on on the girl side, I think yeah, that yeah. Allie is a walking red flag. But <laughs> walking red flags deserve love too. And I think that the part of the reason I love this movie is part of the reason I love Hitch so much is because the male perspective is. I almost said superior, and we were going to get letters if I that said was that. Be bad. <laughs> no, the male perspective is important in the sense that it's about Noah's love and commitment and and 
unending an ending love for her that even though she moves away, even though she goes to college, even though she gets engaged with the guy, all this stuff, he never gives up. And I've spoiled a lot of movies on this episode. I don't want to spoil the notebook, but to say the ending of the notebook and the whole premise of the notebook is that he, he is always there for her even through the point of going through all of their lives and having these children and, and starting over again, uh, he will always try to woo her and end up with her and all this stuff. It's kind of a 51st date situation, if you know what I mean. So the notebook, I, I also have to admit, I've seen this movie a hundred times. Cried, cried a couple of times and i'd never really understood or even thought about what the title of the movie means and i only just recently realized that the <laughs> oh name, the, i mean because i'm like the notebook is the name of the movie and then i was like there isn't even a notebook in the movie i don't understand and i was like oh wait no, the notebook is the book that he tells the story from it's embarrassing never mind that it doesn't matter but I love Ryan Gosling. I love Rachel McAdams. I love James Garner. I grew up with James Garner. James Garner is he's in all of the like great movies that I loved as a kid, and, and Gina Rollins is great too. So their whole relationship, their whole dynamic, the one of the things I love about love and romance and the whole falling in love and being in love part is the. I don't know if this is a dude thing or a male thing or if it's just me because I'm a weirdo, but I feel like the pain of it is important. Fucking and masochist. Like, maybe. Not like no, but I get what you like mean. A, I get what you mean. Like, like maybe it's like I said before with uh, Casablanca, like the unrequited love even as well is like, is if it's not returned or it's not not what it should have been. Maybe it's the hitch thing of like, I want it to be this thing, but, but it's not, or, or they don't. The, the, that girl that you've dreamed about uh, thinks you're a loser or whatever. Like there's that thing of like really wanting it to be big and want it to be great. And then, and the notebook is incredible because it's about not giving up on that idea mm -hmm. and then eventually it is and so i think that that persistence and that excitement and that that not giving up even though it's painful is the beauty of the story i think mm -hmm. so that's uh, why i love the notebook i get what you mean i get what you mean i think it is uh kind of a guy thing so i've i've thought of this topic for a long time. Okay. Um, for those that know me well, can probably take a wild guess why I've thought on that topic for a long time. Yeah. Um, but I, I have, I, I guess technically a theory on it and it, it does side with the male perspective on love. Okay. Do tell. All right. I think I think us kind of having a connection to the pain of it, to the 
however you were the struggle of love or whatever. Yeah. This um, idea of the grand gestures, it's always from the dude, right? Like we always yeah. feel kind of obligated to, to show on a, on a big scale, whether that's to win her over to win her over, you know, we, we got to be the ones to do the wooing. We have to be the ones to endure it. Um, yeah. I think my theory is it's because when, when men understand and realize that we are in love, we, we kind of in that moment devote our all to it. Yeah. We go all in. There's no, there's nothing else. We just decide, okay, so this is my truth now. Yeah. So I have to take all the bad. We literally do what the vows when you get married say. We decide, all right, all the bad, all the good. Mm -hmm. So all the I'm willing to just invest in it. I'm here for it because I understand the fight for it and the reward of it is so yeah. great. You commit to it. You commit to it. So I think it's I think the difference is we're not necessarily cautious when we understand that we're in love, mm -hmm. we just dive completely in and kind of cross our fingers and hope that we don't <laughs> hit rock bottom. Um, whereas women, I think do a, a little more cautious, like they understand mm -hmm. they're in love. They, they infest, they dive in as well. But I think there's a little bit of like, there's still a little, well, yeah. Not that they're questioning it, but it's like, I don't want to get hurt. So we're going to still right. kind of take things, I, I guess, with a little more thought. So, a yeah. little cautious because you could get your heart broken. Yeah. So for sure. And, and that's not a, a rip on women's perspective to love. I could be wrong, but as a male. I don't I think like that's bad necessarily. That's probably smarter, honestly. <laughs> I, that's my theory is us. We just, that's why we're attracted to that kind of stuff. Cause in our minds, we associate love with so many aspects, yeah. whether that's conditioning from movies, TV shows, books, whatever. Um, or just the, the idea alone of love is so grand to us that we've kind of feel we have to live up to it. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's just that, a theory. And that kind of commitment to your family and to mm -hmm. provide for them and care for them and go to war for them and do all the things that you need to do as a man, there's a lot of weight behind that. And I think yeah. that commitment, whether it's cultural or just innate in human nature, definitely exists. It's undeniable for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. What were you talking about? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the notebook. How great it is. It's okay. Uh, problematic, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but realistic and uh, lovely. It, it has some cute moments. I'll give you that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's your At least I don't hate it. I, at least I don't hate it. Right, Jake? Come on. Give me that. That is true. I appreciate that. I hate it. I just like to egg you on a little bit because I know how much you <laughs> fucking love it. All right. My number one. Man, 
<laughs> I I was like, I could kind of interchange my number one with only her movies, a handful of her movies. Mm-hmm. But when I really, when it comes down to it, it's like, it has to, it has to be, this is the foundation of it, of my infatuation with, with this actress and her movies. Like it's one of the sweetest, if not the sweetest movie ever made. You always feel warm and fuzzy on the inside. It's so quirky, but relatable. It's weird. Uh, but while you were sleeping is my number one. I, I was hoping you would say absolutely that. adore this movie. And yes, Sandy was going to make an appearance. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> Sandra Bullock is the best. Sandra Bullock is the best. Um, yeah, like I love her romantic films are all great. Hope Floats, incredible movie. The Proposal, mm-hmm. hilarious, incredible. <laughs> but of all of her romantic films, I, I think While You Were Sleeping is just the best because it's so pure. Mm-hmm. And, and it's so, it, no rules, I guess, are actually broken in this mm-hmm. movie. Although some might be like, oh, but she's engaged. She's never actually engaged. She's never actually in a yeah. relationship the entire film. It's just a misunderstanding. It's a misunderstanding. But she there's so crush. many things, <clears throat> not just the romance that, that she kind of builds up with the brother, but I guess you could argue this is the one that's like also the romance with just the idea of family yeah. and being invited into it and, and fully accepted, like without question, without anything. It's just, no, you are family. Mm-hmm. The romance of that idea, the romance of her father's kind of words to her of wanting to take her around the world, take her to, to Italy, stamp her passport, that dream <laughs> that she's got. Um, and then obviously the the romantic side of it, her and her and the brother. But this movie is just, oh, my God. <laughs> you and I have, have talked about it several times in the past, but. I don't think we ever give it the justice it deserves. It's such a beautiful, sweet, pure, wholesome film. And I've done a pretty good job of not spoiling, but I mean, the ending is like, <laughs> you're so excited when mm-hmm. the ending comes up. I, I won't say it, but it's every time the little clinking sound happens, I'm always like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's very, very, not like you said, not just romantic in the relational sense, but just in the time period sense. I feel like, kind of like, kind of like The Princess Bride for me. And this, it reminds me of when she's talking about her dad and how he used to take her out to these places and tell her about her family and her mom and Mm -hmm. uh, her crazy uncle Earl and all of this stuff. And then when she's like, I don't really remember it being this orange as she's thinking about like the, the rose color glasses basically of the past as she's thinking (laughs) about it. Uh, It's, it's such a sweet movie, such a sweet story. And yeah, it's a, it's a great story about their relationship and, 
and developing a relationship, but it is very much about the actual family and mm-hmm. holiday around Christmas and New Year's and feeling alone and her finding a place that uh, that she's accepted, I guess, filling that void in her life yeah, the, of feeling alone. The movie is like about fulfillment and kind of not, yeah. not finding fulfillment, but being invited into right. it. And that's so huge. And, and all the aspects of like romance with that fulfillment and the family and, you know, obviously the brother, um, (laughs) it's just, it's like a full circle kind of movie to me. Mm -hmm. And the cherry on top is that, you know, the love story part, um, which is funny. And it has some very real moments. Like it's shocking how, one of the most relatable scenes in the movie is him slipping on the ice and you're like, yeah, doing something embarrassing and dumb when you're trying to do something kind and like genuine, it kind of sucks as a dude when that happens to you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Especially when you're trying to look cool or (laughs) right. (laughs) Play it off cool. And it's just, it, this is a movie I think, I will probably still be loving, quoting, watching up until like (laughs) all said and done. Right. It's just, Mm -hmm. I adore this movie so freaking much. Yeah, absolutely. All right. right. There you go. Our top 10 romance movies of all time. (laughs) Uh, Honorable mentions. I had a handful. I actually had a big long list of ones. That, uh, <laughs> so did I, but I'm going to narrow it. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> um, I mentioned, I think in our very first episode, True Lies, mm-hmm. partly as a joke of it being an action movie, but also sincerely, I do f- enjoy the married interaction between uh, the two main characters and Arnold. And, and they're the way they... Uh, especially the scene where she thinks that she's helping out and needs to like pretend like she's enticing this guy and stripping, but it ends up being for her husband. I think it's just the comedy of their relationship is the funniest thing. Uh, so true lies is a huge one for me. And then an underappreciated Nicholas Sparks one, you might scoff at this notebook hater, but the safe haven <laughs> I feel like nobody talks about Safe Haven and how great it is and how um, Josh Duhamel and Julianne Huff uh, are the most handsome people on the planet. Um, I don't know how Julianne Huff hasn't been in more stuff. I think she's focused on like a dancing career, but she's great in this movie. Kobe Smulders uh, is also great in this movie from uh, How I Met Your Mother fame. And uh, it's just about a, guy, a lady who's escaping a guy. I was I, I was going to spoil the movie almost. She's escaping a guy. You find out some stuff. It's a great story. She lands in North Carolina. A lot like The Notebook, there's a scene where she gets invited out into a canoe and they row their boats on the bayou and it starts raining same exact thing as the notebook but <laughs> the rest of the movie is very very different from the notebook okay. and i i love safe haven because not only is it underrated it's being great but also nicholas sparks movies are notorious and cliche for 
a main character and love interest in the movie dying mm -hmm. and tugging at your heartstrings doesn't happen in this movie. Spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> this movie breaks the trend, breaks the stratosphere. It's a great movie. I love Safe Haven. Um, another movie, five-year engagement with uh, with uh, Jason Siegel and Emily Blunt. They play a couple who got engaged and then kind of life happens and their engagement starts getting drawn out longer and longer and longer and their relationship gets stressed more and more and more. Uh, it's a great movie. Uh, they go to the University of Michigan. She is a doctorate there. That's a good part of the movie. But also, really funny movie. I think it's from the director of... Uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall. So same sort of style. Yeah, same it was the same comedy. writing team, same director. So very fun, very funny, um, but also good, solid romance movie um, overall. And, uh, and Alison Brie plays Emily Blunt's sister and they're really funny and unique. Chris as Pine a couple. is in it. It's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great movie. Um, and then you've brought it up many times, 13 going on 30. I love 13 Going on 30. Couldn't fit it on my list. I also rewatched it. The romance side is a little thin, so I felt like it didn't quite qualify for this episode specifically, but I do okay. love the movie overall. I think that to explain the whole concept of her and growing up, realizing that her best friend, she actually loved him going back, it's a little thin. The romance is not what the movie's really about. And that was kind of why I didn't have it on my list. Um, but uh, yeah, that's about, I think that's about it. I had other ones uh, that I've had on other lists, like the comedy episodes, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Wedding Crashers. Wedding Crashers is probably the funniest rom-com of all time. <laughs> Follows the exact same was, formula, but also hilarious. I'm very shocked you didn't have 50 First Dates. I was... So was very positive close. you were going to have that. It's this is a wonderful so film. good. So good and so sweet. But yeah, I didn't. I'm, I'm very surprised. But <laughs> all right. Um, well, you took you took one of mine, you bastard. Um, <laughs> it's OK. Uh, I would say one that I feel has kind of gotten lost in time, but needs to be revisited is huh. Benny and June. I think it's from 1994. I've never even heard of this movie early. I know early Johnny Depp. Um, okay. It's, it's about a mentally challenged woman named June and her brother, Benny who live together, but they meet, uh, Johnny Depp's character, he kind of inadvertently comes into their lives and he's not, he doesn't have mental issues. He's just very odd. And him and June build up a, a really sweet, very kind of natural connection that it doesn't get like, there's no forced conflict between them. Like most romantic films will have. There's, there's a very, gentle kind of quiet romance between the two of them. That's just, it's wonderful. Um, so Benny and June, um, I had this on my original list. It didn't make the cut on this one, but it's still worth noting because it's fucking hilarious and it's a little unconventional, but so I married an ax murderer is 
fantastic. Um, the whole movie is about new love and kind of it growing and then uh, getting mixed up into a nationwide serial killer case. <laughs> uh, yeah. Very funny. Mike Myers plays like three characters in it. It's it's delightful. Yeah, he carries it. Um, I mentioned it earlier when I was talking about Sandra Bullock, but Hope Floats is such a beautiful film. Um, takes place here in Austin in the 90s, so it's a little bit different. Um, <laughs> but that, that movie's story of her being publicly embarrassed and her marriage being publicly destroyed and then her yeah. kind of being forced to try and like restart with her young daughter who doesn't understand anything that's going on. Um, mm. And then Harry Connick Jr. plays Justin who has had a, he's been in love with her since they were kids. So he's kind of like the, the friend from the childhood friend. Um, but he kind of like gets her to start getting out and he kind of starts telling her and teaching her and, uh, that there's more to, to life even after, you know, kind of disaster. So it's an awesome yeah. movie. Very beautiful, very cool film. Um, also, as Gina Rowlands from The Notebook, if anybody was keeping track. God damn it. <laughs> she plays her mom. She Go does. Ahead. She does. <laughs> um, and then I can't believe neither of us brought it up. It's such a cheese ball movie that we both mm -hmm. totally understand, makes no sense, and is ridiculous on every aspect. But The Lake House is <laughs> criminally underrated <laughs> i completely agree i feel like i get shit for it because people are like oh it's trash but it's not it's great it's not it, at all but i some kind sometimes question it because i love keanu reeves and i love sandra bullock so much like you mm -hmm. so maybe we just have blinders on and i love weird complicated time no, travel it's, movies it's a wonderful film that refuses to provide any explanation. You just have to accept the fact that this mailbox provides time traveling letters and it's a portal. It's a portal, but their relationship through kind of like, it's like completely stripped down. Like they're forced to actually know each other. Yeah. And uh, I think that's beautiful. Yes. I really do. Like interdimensional pen pals for a long time. Yeah. The, I mean, how can you not love the walk through the city, like date yeah. that they take? Totally. I absolutely love it. No, no shame in it. The lake house is awesome. <laughs> uh, fuck off haters. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I agree. I think that's good. I have like okay. a million more, but I think that's a good amount, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Uh okay. Uh where where do we go from here? What are we doing next? I think I think that's it. Um thank you everyone. Uh what do we got coming up next? Ooh. Oh, I remember. Yes. So we've been very romantic and talking about the joys of love in this episode. 
next episode we get into something a little more racy racy a little bit of controversy um Mm -hmm. maybe it's a little sexy maybe probably more likely to be awkward though more likely to be awkward but um yeah so we're gonna be talking about kind of the history or the use or general general dynamic yeah uh nudity in films yeah (laughs) it's something that i feel like people claim sex sells and uh maybe that's true but also there's a lot of awkwardness around it there's a lot of controversy around it and there's a lot of questions around how much value it actually adds yeah Uh, if you need to show that stuff if you if people really care or whatnot. So we'll be getting deep into it. Uh, and I'm excited to talk about that <laughs> as well. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a very interesting kind of discussion episode that we, we've been doing a lot of these little dive, like into a discussion episodes they are always fun. They're always interesting. I, I feel this one obviously is going to have some, some awkward research ahead of time. <laughs> Yeah, I, I thought about that like yesterday. I was like, oh, yeah, we have the nudity episode coming up. Wait a minute. Does that mean I need to watch a bunch of sex scenes like movies with nudity in them? How am I preparing for this? I am not prepared at all. So yeah, we'll see will, what happens. This will be an interesting one. Um, but I can't. Obviously, I'm not going to speak for you. But for me, in light of a couple recent films that I just watched. I feel this episode, I feel a little triggered and there (laughs) might be a couple rants coming up. Okay. I look forward to that for sure. (laughs) So yeah, you got that to look forward to that's coming up next. And then uh, uh, I think the uh, Dune is a, quickly approaching i can't wait to see dune part two in theaters but we are revisiting the 1984 original dune from david lynch and uh you get to hear how great that movie is might be (laughs) probably is not uh coming up soon so stick around for that that'll be fun it will be fun it will be we promise uh yeah thank you everybody much appreciated make sure you're subscribing and following us on Instagram, all the social medias, YouTube. Um, yeah. We really appreciate everyone tuning in, listening, joining the conversation. Um, Especially if you want to vote in the movie bonus awards, because your vote matters. Rock the vote, all that stuff. <laughs> Wasn't that a nineties thing? It is coming back. I promise. <laughs> all right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, actually you should vote for our stuff because, or vote for the movies that, we're going to showcase in our awards because it's fun. And, uh, you know, <laughs> fuck don't Saltburn the win <laughs> <laughs> and fuck Saltburn and fuck poor things. So, um, <laughs> if you voted for poor things, why? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also we will argue with you. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, please vote, join in. Um, Make sure you let us know your your favorite romantic films, uh, whether they're comedies, dramas, whatever. Uh, your go tos. Yeah. Obviously, we we only talked about twenty 
films of them or, or focused on 20 of them, there's a million more. So tell us which ones you think we need to see if we haven't seen them. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I think that that's sounds it. good. Thanks, everybody. See cool. you next time. See you guys. Bye.